the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for the Steak for Breakfast podcast. It's Friday, September 17th, 2021, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior, America! Steak. For breakfast! So stand by. This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. They have rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, all-around barbecue-related gear, mm. anything you could need to make barbecue great again. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off your entire order on their store. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. They're at stayreadygear.com and on Instagram, stayreadygearusa. They have... All that stuff made out of that fancy melted plastic called Kydex that we all love so much. Holsters, mag carriers, tourniquet carriers, on and off duty gear. You want something custom? They can hook you up. Use the code STEAK for 5% off. Some of the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording gear can be found at Odyssey and Odyssey.com. Whether you're a gamer, podcasting like us down here at Steak for Breakfast, or uh Laying some tracks like Eka Mouse. Odyssey has everything you need in the audio department to get you rolling. They're at odyssey.com, they're on Facebook, and on Instagram. Being a medic sometimes can uh, really be trying on one's person. <laughs> sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. A life. <laughs> at which point you might be considered mediocre. Mediocre medic, they have all the gear you need to... Uh, Adjourn your medic bag and gear with tack flare, patches, off-duty gear like flip-flops and fanny packs, and more. I gotta get a fanny pack. Yeah, they're not bad. They look pretty cool. So they also have got some really great vinyl stickers. I've had this one on my coffee tumbler for quite a few years now, and it barely shows any wear and tear. Yeah, it's just got that one from your cup holder. MediocreMedic.com. They're also on Instagram. Uh, West Coast Survival Arms. Pack and heat those end-of-the-summer months. Mike's got a completely redesigned website at westcoastsurvivalarms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger. He's licensed FFL. He's got ammo and a five-star rating. You could also find him at 619-870-6992. And last but not least, Mark Joe Friday of the Patch Father down at Dumpbox and Dumpbox.us. Home of the Zero Fucks Duck. In addition to a lot of other things we have part of our everyday use coronavirus veteran flag i'm wearing a coronavirus veteran t-shirt today and i've got some of the zero fucks duck stickers on my tumblr as well mark's on facebook he's on instagram and he's at dumpbox.us ladies and gentlemen don't forget follow us on instagram at steak for podcast breakfast there you'll find a link tree to all of our accounts instagrams backups antoinette's accounts where to stream the show download the show listen our website soon to have a facebook and more on that note, welcome. Episode 64, Steak for Breakfast podcast. I'm Rowan, joined on this Friday edition by Noah. Yo. Antoinette's here. Hi, Antoinette. Hi. And we have our guest host of the day, 
Miss Hannah Kirkpatrick coming back. Welcome. Hey guys. Hey girl. <laughs> Thanks for coming back and joining Thanks us today. Me. Yeah, we're we're excited to have you back. How are you doing? I'm good. I mean, I'm I'm I'm, I'm your your intro's lit. Like I now want a steak for breakfast, <laughs> a barbecue, um, a gun. Uh, I want to get into the medical field. I think it was great. Oh, what, what great what great sponsors. I think you're only allowed to have a steak knife, or you're not allowed to have that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> steak for breakfast. Oh, that's true. You have to be able to cut your steak. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're glad to have you back. Um, I'd ask you what's news, but it's been a crazy week since we've had you on. Nonstop train of happenings. And uh, I'm yeah, I am so exhausted from, from trying to cover all this, breaking literally as we speak. Joining us first today and first time on the show She's the former executive secretary for the Department of Homeland Security. She's also a former Marine, a judge advocate there. She's currently the host of the weekly briefing on One America News Network and working on the front lines of the Stop the Steal movement. Miss Christina Bob, thanks for joining us on Steak for Breakfast today. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be a part of your show. I'm so glad that I don't have to play audio recordings of you today from One American News if we can actually talk to you <laughs> yeah, about it. this is it. way better. Yeah, so much better. Um, how are you doing? Good. Uh, I'm sure you guys know the Arizona audit results are coming out, you know, next Friday. Ooh. So pretty, pretty soon. So I'm getting real excited about that. So I actually thought they were going to come out this week. Of course, you know, rumor mill starts as you get close to the yep. end, rumor mill starts. And so my emotions are pretty shot because I've been, you know, oh, they're coming out. Oh, they're not. Oh, they're coming out. Oh, they're not. So the Senate officially said they're coming out September 24th at 1 p.m. Arizona time. So I can rest easy until then. We're extremely hopeful for that as well. There's a lot of news going on um, between now and then and developing all morning. And we're going to talk about a lot of that. First, yeah. first of all, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, your show before we get into the actual election stuff? Sure. So I have a show on One American News called Weekly Briefing. It airs every weekend, Saturday and Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern. And I you know, break down the news. It's a pretty typical summary show, news summary show. Uh, the last few, I've been out here in Arizona. So I've been doing a lot of you know, a lot of the election integrity stuff on my show, interviewing Senator Borelli and Wendy Rogers and the the famous faces that we see out here fighting election integrity in Arizona. So uh, that's my show. And then I also do correspondent work for One American News. So you guys probably, uh, if you're familiar with my work at all, are used to seeing my life hits throughout the day of, you know, what's happening on election integrity. Yeah, that's that's pretty good to hear. And it's, it's a good show. I enjoy watching it every weekend. Thank um, you. Yeah. So we usually take a couple polls on our show. One of them is involving election integrity. Um, we just want to know which one of these phrases you prefer when you talk about it. Okay. <laughs> Crime of the century, rigged and stolen, or unreturned diamonds? Ooh, unreturned <laughs> diamonds is very like artistic and artsy. <laughs> I like that. I don't think people just with that phrase would know what you're talking about. Um so rigged and stolen and crime of the century, are, are those the other two? Yes. I would say crime of the century, right? Because I think that's what it is. Yeah, it definitely yeah. is. And we've heard you lead in with that one a lot before. I kind of knew you were going to yeah. go there. We, <laughs> we played Donald Trump audio last week when he was talking about uh, 
when he did his Gateway Pundit interview and he talked about yeah, how yeah. Tiffany's has been robbed and the diamonds need to come home. Yes, I love that example that he uses. It's a, it's a really good example because it breaks it down like people are when people argue about whether to decertify the election or not. It's like, why, why wouldn't you? You know, yeah. if someone steals diamonds to President Trump's example, they would have to return them. They sure need to be. So, um, yeah. so you've been on this from pretty much the beginning. You've been you've been kind of. Yeah flying back and forth between here in Arizona. And uh, what has the experience been like for you? I mean, I know there's things that you report about on One American News, but uh, you see it physically and there's probably a lot that your segments won't allow for you. What are some of the things that you've just been like, have been like an eye-opening experience about this whole, the Maricopa audit, first of all? Yeah, so I think the biggest thing is the American citizens, I'll use Arizona, the Arizona citizens, because that's what I've been out here, but I think it's true across the country, really just kind of waking up and getting involved. And I, I still think we're in that process. I still think that people are slowly coming to the resolution that they they personally have to get involved in this fight. Mm-hmm. I think many people, even myself included, um, at times say, oh, government's got it, you know, and just kind of assume everything's on autopilot. But right. I really think we're seeing an awakening in our country of American citizens who don't necessarily want to get involved, but say, I have to, if I want to keep my country, if I want to keep my way of life, I have to get involved and I have to step up. So that's been, that's been really interesting, encouraging. I think there's a lot of people in that category that are still resisting it and angry about the fact that they have to get involved. And so from conservative perspective, I still get a lot of complaints from conservatives that they're frustrated and angry and they don't want to do anything. And I get it. I totally respect their frustration, but the problem is they are our solution. Yeah. You know? No, so, they literally are. That's a, that's an extremely good point. We've talked to several people who are in the political mix right now. Everybody from Joe Kent and Teddy Daniels, mm-hmm. um, you know, great. yeah, they are great. But the, when you ask them about their backstory, they said they'll always, before they get into their political part of it, say, you know what? I, I served my country. I had done my part. Everybody's lost a lot. I just wanted to go and enjoy, you know, the rest of my days. But you see how bad the country's getting and what, yeah. the, what the people we elect to take care of it aren't doing. They have to throw their hats in the ring. So, yeah, I think that's true. I, I think that's actually also true for Donald Trump. Yes. I think it starts with him and goes all the way down. I think he would love to be making more millions and doing more real estate deals and building his empire. But he he loves our country and sees that the way of life that he knew through for most of his life is, is in jeopardy. So I think we all are kind of in that position right now. Yeah. There's really no plus for him. It's just like, he's using his own money, using his own time when he could just be chilling on the golf course. Oh, he's, he's talked about it so many times. He could have went and enjoyed the rest of his life and golfed and done things other than this, but he feels compelled to uh, give back to the country that's given him such an opportunity over the years. Yeah. And giving back he is for sure. So what's it been like getting to know some of those personalities you mentioned, like, you know, Wendy Rogers and uh, Sonny Borelli? We've all seen them on television and heard them, but uh, working with them personally, we've heard there's some really great people and and honestly, true patriots. They don't front on television or in interviews and then act differently off, you know, the air. Can you tell us what that experience has been like getting to know them? Yeah, that's exactly right. That that is 100% right for Senator Borelli and Rogers and Mm -hmm. Kelly Townsend, you know, the whole is it Wendy Kelly and Borelli that uh, Trump made? I think he made up that saying when he was out in Phoenix. Yeah. But, um, and then the Karen fans and 
the the folks that you see, the elected officials from Arizona that you see, Mark Fincham, he's not in the Senate, he's in the, the House running for Secretary of State, but he probably has been, um, he, or he, I should say he was one of the original ones out front and all of them really are just true patriots. And uh, I don't think any of them really saw themselves becoming national figures because even though they're only state elected officials, they really have become national figures for election integrity. And I don't think any of them anticipated it. Wendy Rogers has said, you know, she's only been in office. She's only been an elected official for six months. Yep. Uh, she, she came in, she got her first, she's a freshman. She is a, <laughs> she's a freshman. And um, she said it took her, she told me it took her six times to get elected. She was fighting, fighting, <sighs> wow. fighting. And she just got elected. And uh, her story is don't ever give up. If you feel like you want to give back and you want to serve, just keep going. And um, they're just very human and very real. And uh, I'm honored to get to to know them and, and speak with them, but to also get to help share their story, much like you guys do. Uh, it's really a privilege to interact with them. So, yeah, that's, that's that's really good to hear. I mean, it's good to find genuine people in this fight that are really in it for the right reasons. Yeah, and that's the truth. So, sticking in Arizona, I don't know if you've heard, but there is a uh, board of supervisors meeting close to the public that's supposed to be going on today. Actually, close to yeah. the public. Close to the public, and and everybody's saying it's going to be. Uh, Mark Brnovich's final warning to those guys about, you know, we're passing the 10 day threshold here of the subpoenas so far. We've got nothing. Um, you know, it's time to get the, uh, these aren't the same subpoenas as the first time that you just ignored. These are going to be ones that are enforceable and he's going to make sure that that happens. Um, well, we've brought this up before. Like if I didn't, you know, respond to a subpoena, probably jail, probably jail, you jail, Christina, jail. do you Christina? think you'd go to jail? I think they're looking for reasons to put me in jail. <laughs> yeah, they sure are. <laughs> yes. Believe it or yeah. not, jail. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's right. It's funny. Uh, Jordan Conradson from the Gateway Pundit, I, I don't know if you guys follow him or not. Mm-hmm. He's great. He's been, he's like a bird dog on this stuff too. And he's cl- uh, tracking that meeting closely. Um, I, I'm curious to see what comes out of it, but I'm more curious to see what Mark Brnovich does with it. I, don't, I care less about what they actually say in the meeting because we already know that they're corrupt. We already know that they are trying to figure out how to avoid doing what they were elected to do. Yep. And they're trying to avoid following the law. So whatever they say in the meeting, personally, I kind of don't care because I think they're all lies. Um, so I'm very curious to see what Mark, what Mark Brnovich does. He, they have, I think, 10 more days until uh, their funding gets cut off. And, you know, Maricopa County, which includes Phoenix, with Phoenix, Mesa, Chandler, Tempe, all of the, the, the major metropolitan area for the state of Arizona could lose its funding because the Board of Supervisors, the Republican yep. Board of Supervisors, uh, is refusing to follow the law. So what's the Attorney General going to do? He's also running for the U.S. Senate seat against Mark Kelly. And uh, if he wants to get elected to the seat he's running for, he needs to actually do his job. So I think there's, that's where my curiosity lies. Uh, so we'll see what, what comes out of it. Yeah. It's going to be pretty interesting to see. Uh, hopefully we'll get some, some details coming out later in the day today. Yeah. Um, sticking in the same thread of now you basically air quoted Republicans when you talk to some of the people that are Wah. yeah in Arizona, moving on to Pennsylvania, we all know, you know, our, our listenership is pretty in the know. We, we, we cover this stuff extensively right. and um, the stuff that's gone on with uh, Doug Mastriano and now John Corman um, and what's going on, you know, 
as Pennsylvania gets ready, whether or not you, you've been deep diving into covering the Pennsylvania stuff, what do you see kind of starting to shape up there? I think, uh, so the president of the Senate there is Jake Corman, and then he fired, or I should yeah. say fired, removed Doug Mastriano from his committee chair seat and replaced him with Chris Dush, who yeah. I also know and have met and interviewed and had conversations with. Um, I actually, it was my organization, Voices and Votes, that actually funded them mm-hmm. to come out to Arizona and see the audit. So I coordinated that and my folks coordinated that for all of them. So um, I would like to believe that our organization was instrumental in at least bringing awareness to Pennsylvania to say, hey, you actually can replicate Arizona. Um, and I worked very closely with Mastriano on it. I believe, personally, I believe he had the best intentions, mm-hmm. very good intentions. And I think he was taking the right, from everything I can see personally, I know others have questioned Mastriano's intentions or I, I've heard people question that. And I I think anybody who's in an elected office should be questioned and we right. should scrutinize them. So I don't dispute people that are questioning it. I just know from my own personal experience, I think Mastriano was trying to replicate Arizona and Pennsylvania. Um, I suspect that Jake Corman is running for office. I don't yeah. know. He hasn't announced yet, but I think um, he really, he, I don't think Jake Corman wants this audit. Everything that I saw from all of the work that I've been doing, not just reporting, but I started Voices and Votes because I cared and wanted right. to get involved. And so I was doing groundwork to try to help Pennsylvania copy, replicate Arizona. And everything I tried, Jake Corman was blocking, blocking, blocking. So from my perspective, I don't think that this is a legitimate attempt. The subpoenas that they issued mm-hmm. could provide good information. There are things in there that I think um, are valuable and could show potential fraud or could show malfeasance if they actually find it. I don't think it's enough. To me, if your constituents are concerned with ballot fraud, ballot harvesting, and ballot stuffing, to me, it makes sense to request the ballot. (laughs) That's what you look for. And they didn't do that. So everything that Arizona subpoenaed, I shouldn't say everything, but for the most part, everything that Arizona subpoenaed and is examining in their audit, which I think is a very good, thorough audit, Mm -hmm. Pennsylvania left it out. So... I don't know. We'll see. I'm, I'm hopeful. I mentioned yesterday in my report yesterday that uh, I'm hopeful there is some master plan that I haven't thought of and I'm not aware of how you investigate fraud without looking at the evidence, but I, there could be a way to do it. I just don't know what that is. So I'm hopeful that something comes out of Pennsylvania, but yeah, not the way to do it. it's going to be interesting to see because uh, I think at the end of the day, one of the biggest um, differences between places like Arizona and then when you get into Pennsylvania is how deeply entrenched the uh, the Democrat side of the whole voter vernacular is there. You know, when it comes to like the polling places and the voter registrations and the election oversights, they, they, they've been entrenched in those major cities for so long. Yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, quickly they're willing to ungrip what they're holding on to because I mean in Arizona this is relatively new it's not necessarily a sw- I think television made Arizona a swing state you know yeah, we, we've seen over fair. the last two election cycles just because TV keeps repeating it people start to believe it but then you know when you see the stuff that you saw in Arizona for instance a hundred mile Trump vehicle rally two days before the election. Those are impressive. Yeah. And, and takes more in the than desert, nonetheless. Right. Don't forget about that. And, and yeah. takes more than a few people to, to accomplish. Um, and, and then you see the outcome and it's just very strange to see how this is kind of unfolding. Um, today, Donald Trump issued a statement Ooh. 
to Brad Raffensperger. Did you see it, Christina? Yes, I did. Pretty interesting. Yeah, I'm going to read a portion of it now. It says, large-scale voter fraud continues to be reported in Georgia and closes a report of the 43,000 absentee ballot votes counted in DeKalb County that violated the chain of custody rules, making them invalid. I I would respectfully request that your department check, and if true along with many other claims of voter fraud and voter irregularities, start the process of decertifying the election or whatever the correct legal remedy is and announce the winner. As you stated previously, the number of false and or irregular votes is far greater than needed to change the Georgia election result. People do not understand why you and Governor Brian Kemp adamantly refuse to acknowledge the now proven facts and fight hard that the election was truth not be told. You and Governor Kemp are doing a tremendous disservice to the great state of Georgia and our nation, which is systematically being destroyed by illegitimate president and this and his administration. The truth must be allowed to come out. Thank you for your action regarding this matter. Nice. <laughs> Donald J. Trump. It was a very diplomatic letter. Yeah. yeah. The only thing I see missing from there is usually there's like something in parentheses or a word or two in all caps. Yeah. But this is kind of a little bit more formal than usual. So <laughs> I'm sure he'll be talking about it at the rally this weekend. <laughs> so yeah. pretty funny. Um, Georgia's kind of a mess. We've, we've seen a lot of stuff in addition to some of these um, facts that President Trump pointed out in this letter to um, Raffensperger this morning. You also had over 100,000 voters already cleansed from voter rolls. Pretty interesting mm-hmm. seeing the uh, amount total of win by supposedly uh, Joe Biden. And, and then you have, you know, so much other reports. There's been obviously the video from Atlanta on the night of the election, you know, uh, where they're counting the ballots multiple times from the Pelican boxes under the table. Uh, videos of people transporting voter machines in their cars <laughs> across the street in shopping carts <laughs> And, and, you know, you name it, and we kind of seen it in Georgia. They're kind of yeah. in the middle of Arizona and Pennsylvania. I think Arizona is the newest for voter fraud. Pennsylvania is probably like the senior at this high school, and you kind of have like a sophomore <laughs> because Stacey Abrams has only been there doing what she's doing for close to a decade now, but it's certainly not as long as places like Pennsylvania. So, Right. Raffensperger and Kemp have been really – they've said stuff. They've – retracted a lot of their original statements. I think it's pretty safe to say this was not the most safest and secure election in the history of the universe, as they once claimed. Um, They've been caught lying on phone calls, editing, you know, transcripts of those and whatnot. At some point, Georgia's going to have to get it going. We know that um, Garland Favorito has this case. We know that Judge Mero looks like he's pretty willing to at least get it rolling we kind of feel after doing a lot of analysis on this is that places like Pennsylvania and Georgia, they have their toes on the line and they're waiting for Arizona to just not feel as pressured to, you know, do it before we know somebody else did it. Right. Do you kind of, do you kind of, do you kind of take that perspective on, on some of these other States being a little bit reluctant to kind of just, I mean, all the evidence is there. It's been presented and accepted to judges. What do you think? Yeah, I think uh, a lot of states are concerned about being the first. I think Arizona coming out to actually be the first to openly and publicly say, hey, we are taking a look at this. I think it's really forcing the hand of other elected leaders in other states. Um, Georgia, interestingly, I actually think Georgia is a lot further along than people think it is. Yeah, it is. Because, yeah, because the um, the plaintiff in this case and their the plaintiff's experts already have access to the ballot images. Yep. They already have a lot of the information that would show the fraud, they haven't released their findings, which to me is telling. 
um, because they want the physical ballots. They need the physical ballots in order to confirm their findings so that there's no argument that, you know, maybe the images were manipulated in some way. So I actually think Georgia could be our front runner. Arizona's the more public one. Right. But um, I'm, I'm curious if Georgia's the front runner. They have the, a hearing on Monday, September yes. 20th um, to hopefully get the ballots. So, but I, I do think you're right. I think that it's, it's forcing states that didn't want to do anything. It's, it's forcing the issue out into the open. And to your point about Arizona being the newest state of fraud, I think that's right. And I also, I also think that that is why Arizona was the first to do it openly, because I think there's less corruption there. Yeah. It's also harder to find, right? Because I think the fraud in Arizona is less. I think it's less than any other state or, you know, any other state that we're truly contesting. And um, I think because it's less, it's, it's just not as obvious, you know, it's more of a needle in a haystack when in Pennsylvania or Michigan, you're looking for a needle in a needle stack. Yeah. <laughs> it's like found one, you know, um, but there Arizona, it it's a lot harder. So, but yeah, I think, I think you're absolutely right. What do you think? I mean, um, don't you think that states are starting to come forward or, or the fact that Arizona's doing what Arizona's doing is forcing other states to do the same thing? I personally think that a lot of states know that they're out of time. Yeah. Um, they've received so much pressure from their senates uh, at the state level. Um, some of the states like Michigan and Pennsylvania for assuredly violated their state constitutions by having the state senate pass new or amended voter laws due to the COVID stuff and then having secretary of states or governors amend those amendments and then put them into law, which is 100% illegal, mm -hmm. completely violates the constitution and disenfranchises the 1v1 voter. Um, you know, it, it's just one of those things that I, I think, well, in, in Georgia's case, they found the right judge. I've read a lot of what Judge Amaro has said. I know he's not a hardcore conservative. I don't think he's maybe the biggest Trump supporter because I don't think anybody that works at the judicial level can really be a huge Trump supporter just based off of, you know, just some of the ways that he plays himself out in public. We love it. But I think someone who conducts himself as a professional isn't compromised judge. I just think they found the right guy because it sounds like he's really open um, he wants to hear both sides of the story, and now it sounds like he's getting ready to give disposition on, well, if the people who think the election was safe and secure really do feel that way, we're going to have to prove it. And I think that's where we're kind of at in Georgia. Michigan's yeah. a little bit more of a mess. I feel bad for Matt DiPerno. He's kind of got his work cut out for him there. He just got uh, endorsed by Trump. Did you see? I did. It was yesterday this morning. And, and, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I tweeted at him, congratulations. Uh, you know, he definitely that's, that's, has his work cut out for him, that's for sure. And he's been working really hard. Uh, yeah, one, one other place I want to touch on, because I know you've covered it a little bit, is Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, you were at, were you, you were at that rally a couple weeks ago, right? Uh, the one in Alabama? No. the Well, no. The one in Alabama, we can segue that real quick, where you were mentioned by Donald Trump in name, right? Uh -huh. Nice. That was yeah. the last one I was at. Yeah, you, I, I'm oh, the, oh, you're talking about, I know what you're talking about. The one in Madison on the steps of the... Yeah, the one uh, where Sheriff Clark was at and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. So I was not at the la the last one. I did interview Janelle Branch in there, but we had to do it mm -hmm. remotely because I was out here still thinking that the Arizona results were coming out. So normally I would have been. Yes, I love Wisconsin and I love covering their rallies, but yeah. I thought Arizona was done. So so you got you know, Branch and like you mentioned, yeah, Sheriff Clark's out there doing a lot of adv advocacy yeah, for it. Branch Previs is kind of working behind the scenes. Big yeah. time. I've seen him do the cable news circuits and kind of give updates on, on some of the things he's got going on there. Yeah. Um, 
Wisconsin seems like they're also kind of a little bit hesitant, but moving towards once the Maricopa um, results at least start to come out to pretty much initiate. I know they were kind of hung up on they needed one of, out of three people, and, and it looks like Voss was, is finally going to get on board. And Well, it's Voss. I mean, it all comes down to Robin Voss. Yeah. I, I have been trying to be hopeful with Voss. Um, I met him at the Alabama rally actually. Um, and you know, being in the presence of Donald Trump changes people. Sure does. And I, I don't know if because of the situation that I met him in, I was very hopeful, but then he went back to Wisconsin and started saying very different things. Yes. Janelle Branton is the chair of the election committee Mm -hmm. within the assembly in Wisconsin. She is ready to go. She's got her subpoenas ready. She's ready to hold a hearing. She's got her experts lined up. She is ready to replicate Arizona and Wisconsin. Voss is the holdout. I, I want to be careful not coming down too hard on Voss because right. he has made, made some steps towards, you know, trying to do something in Wisconsin, but it's not enough. And we are running out of time. And so I I'm at a point now where I will am willing to say Voss is Voss is the reason that Wisconsin hasn't already happened. Right. Um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what he does. Yeah, the people that are dragging their feet on this, it's it's gotten to the point where people are lighting fires under them, and they're not going to be able to. Hold yeah, it. and that's what I mean. The people of Wisconsin just need to continue to light up Voss. Yeah. And as, soon, as soon as Voss gets out of the way, it'll roll real smooth in Wisconsin. Yeah. And like like Christina just mentioned, I was very optimistic when you know, Voss is at the Alabama rally. Yeah. And it was reported by several different Twitter accounts and, you know, news agencies. And then you go back and see, like, we're getting ready to do our Tuesday edition. And I'm reading some of the stuff on the Gateway Pundit that's coming out of there. And it was like, was he at this yeah. Alabama rally or was it at a 20? Yeah, just. It was like, wait, it's been less than 24 hours. And you're already saying something different than what you said in Alabama. So I don't know. That was disappointing, but I will leave room for the fact that maybe I misunderstood him when he came back. And when he said that he doesn't think the election was corrupt, maybe that's not what he meant. I don't know. Uh, we'll see. But Voss needs to step up. He needs to get out of Branchen's way. And just let, and again, for everybody that might not be aware, Robin Voss is the Republican yes. Speaker of the Assembly in Wisconsin. He is a Republican and he is blocking the audit. That's the sad part. We've been covering this now for there's a lot of them nine months, and it's it's, all Republicans. We haven't even gotten to the point where we fight Democrats yet. Yeah, no, because Republicans won't get out of the way. Yeah, it's it's the Democrats' job to you know reject or want you know more disposition on on the final results of an audit, but we can't even get to an audit in a lot of these places due to Republican state legislator, and it's just it makes no sense. But and, and it's like, are they playing clear, it safe? If I can make one point, just make yeah. sure your your listeners are aware. Pennsylvania, Arizona, Georgia, Wisconsin, and Michigan, five of the seven contested states, the other two being Nevada and New Mexico, five of the seven contested states are Republican majority states in the legislature. It, all it takes is the legislature saying, hey, we want to check the work of the executive branch, secretary of state and governor. That's what it is, checks and balances. We all, all we're asking these legislators to do is their job. Check the work of the executive branch. We have checks and balances for a reason. And it's the Republican majority legislatures in Pennsylvania, Georgia, Wisconsin, Arizona, and Michigan, all refusing to check the balance, check and balance the work of the executive branch. So that's one thing that just irks me. Why are you in office if you don't yep. want to do your job? Yeah. If you're going to play it safe and try not to get involved in stuff and try not to make waves, you're, I mean, you shouldn't be in 
government. Like, well, the fact of the matter is, I think one of the things we're going to find out at the end of all of this, besides the fact that this was the crime of the century, the election was rigged and stolen, and that the diamonds need to be returned, yeah. is that you're going to find out how many of these people at the top of their states, governor, secretary of states, and other top legislators, are in the pockets of Dominion, Smartmatic, you know, China, lobby groups, voter integrity groups are uniparty groups. Yep. All they do is go around and see, <clears throat> let me find the biggest name in the biggest state or in Congress or in the House, how much I could line their pockets to just vote down the middle. Sometimes you vote with your party so your constituents are happy, but other times you vote with Nancy Pelosi for open borders. You know, it's, mm. it's just one of those things. We're going to find out there's going to be a lot of that because at the end of the day, if, if these audit results show favor to stop the steal, then what you have is where's the compromise at? It's not just the voter fraud. It's who felicitated or facilitated it. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think that's going to be a, a huge, you know, there's been so many people that have made accusations, especially in Georgia and Arizona with Ducey and Kemp, um, you know, and, and where a lot of their interests lie monetarily. So yeah. I, I definitely think that we're going to see some of that. Um, voices and votes. You've yeah. me- you mentioned it. Before we let you go, uh, why don't you tell our listenership? Our listenership, by the way, is extremely interactive. I always, oh, I, I always give the uh, example of <laughs> Anthony Sabatini has been on the show a couple of times. He's extremely based. Um, he, he also kind of has a very macho persona and decided to give out his personal cell phone number to our <laughs> listening audience oh. and, and says, you know, I go on the record all the time and try to hold Ron DeSantis, uh, you know, um, responsible for things that, you know, he's kind of slipping on. So I want everyone who supports me to be able to do the same thing. And now he gets memes of stuff all the time from our listeners. <laughs> So I, I don't really advise you giving out your phone number. Okay, um, maybe next time. Yeah, yeah. Which, which hopefully there will be a next time. We'd love to have you back. But better be. Yeah, I'd love to come back. Yeah, Voices and Votes. Let, let, let's hear all about this. So Voices and Votes was an organization I started, I think we officially like signed our papers in March, late March, maybe early April of this year. Um, and it came from, I had worked with Rudy Giuliani on his, I'm an attorney. And so I had done a lot of legal work with Rudy's team right after the election and helped put together, you know, the Arizona hearing and the Michigan hearing and some of, some of that information. And when, you know, January rolls up around, we have, I spent all of this time and energy working on it. And then it was just over yep. because, you know, the inauguration came and it was like, well, what do I do with all of this information and with all of the contacts and efforts that I made? So I started a nonprofit called Voices and Votes. You can go to voicesandvotes.org to check it out if you are interested. And I wasn't really sure what I was going to do with it. And I mentioned to Chanel Rion, who's a good friend Mm -hmm. of mine. She's our chief White House correspondent. And she was like, I want to help too. You know, she wanted to do something. And she's very good at marketing and emails. And so she agreed to take that portion of it. Um, And we created it. We're kind of like, well, what do we do? And then I think it was two weeks later, maybe it was almost right after we got our approval, our nonprofit approval, that um, the whole Arizona audit thing started ramping up and we realized that they probably were gonna be underfunded and we wanted to make sure that all of the work that they did uh, or that they were capable of doing, that they actually were able to do all of it. So we thought, hey, let's start with the Arizona audit and just fundraise for it and make sure that the audit can complete in its entirety and that funding wouldn't be an issue. If people wanna see what happened in the election, we didn't want funding to be a, a problem to prevent that. So that was that was our first initiative was the Arizona audit. And then, 
you know, it kind of, it, it snowballed from there. Um, I've been working in Wisconsin and Pennsylvania. Uh, so we have, we have a handful of things going, but um, Arizona certainly has been our biggest thrust. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's something we're going to direct our traffic to. We're going to have live links in our show description today. I'll forward the show description to you, but also we want to direct our traffic to be able to follow you, um, not just on one America news, but on your social medias that you are comfortable giving out as well. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, I use Twitter, Instagram, and I just recently started getting active in getter. Okay. So I'm still new there, but, um, uh, my handle on Instagram and Twitter is Christina C H R I S T I N A underscore Bob B O B B like the man's name with two B's. And uh, I put a lot of my reports. I shouldn't say a lot. I put some of my reports up on both Twitter and Instagram. And yeah, you can find me there. And we will surely be able to uh, direct a lot of traffic your way. Um, Before we cut out with you, we wanted to definitely thank you. um, First of all, for your service, both in the Marines and with the Department of Homeland Security, in addition to what you're doing now. Uh, We love Rudy on this show. I kind of did a little deep dive into voices and votes, but I wanted you to be able to get it all out there and really talk about the work that you did. You probably described it a lot better than I could have. Yeah, no, Um, I appreciate that. I appreciate it. You know, I think for a lot of the listenership, and, and I don't know if you hear this enough, there was a point nine months ago where so many, probably hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, walked away from a lot of the mainstream media, you know, because of the stuff that happened during the election. Yeah. Um, I'm in my 40s, and as I get older, I realize I grew up listening to people like Peter Jennings and Dan Rather, and a lot of people on the major news stations just lie to us and not tell the truth and, and only you know, be able to tell us stuff that their executive producers or, or shareholders and stakeholders want the you authorized to news. Right. Yeah, exactly. The narrative. Right. And, and, you know, I had always listened to the mainstream media and then also, you know, places like one American news and, and other companies like that, just to be able to get all encompassing because we did this show. Yeah. We want to be able to have a rounded off perspective, but we're really appreciative of all the work you've done because there's so many people who do feel disenfranchised and like they were just kind of out there alone with nowhere to go. You know, it's the stuff, look at how bad everything is in the country right now. The economy, inflation, Afghanistan, the border, you know, the the infrastructure. I appreciate that. Yeah. I feel, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no. I'm just saying that the work that you have done has really made it uh, comforting to feel like, uh, you know, we have a place to get actual credible news from again. Well, thank you. I appreciate that a lot. I feel lucky that I got into this job when I did. So I just joined One American News last year mm-hmm. um, and was very, very green. Excuse me, green. It had only been a couple of months. Um, I think it was like three or four months before the election that I had been working in journals. I'm an attorney. I'd been yeah. doing legal work and uh, you know policy work in the Trump administration. I'd never done media before. And so I actually think that was a huge blessing because of course, all of my critics were like, you're not a real journalist. You're, you don't know what you're doing. You know, they, I got all of that criticism and I kind of was just like, you're right. <laughs> like I've only been doing this a couple months. Like I don't, I don't disagree with you, but it doesn't seem that hard. I mean, forgive me all you journalists out there, but like you just go and say what's happening and like, is it, what else is there? Like, yeah, I mean, you what could, else are you supposed to do? You so, could tell those same people, are you a lawyer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you worked in the Trump administration? Yeah. Do you know Rudy? Yeah. So, yeah, and look at that. People are saying stuff like that to you. And uh, nine months, 10 months later, Donald Trump's 
personally shouting yeah. you out at a rally. Well, isn't that the truth? And I, I hope that this encourages all of your viewers, you know, your listeners that, um, we're in a really interesting time in yes. history right now. Everything's being shaken. And for those that feel like they've been, you know, beaten down and haven't been able to advance in certain ways, that is changing. And it's up to us to figure out where that space is and, and fill it. And um, I've been fortunate to, you know, find the space that I have skills to fill. Yes. But yeah, within, you know, a year of doing this, the president is announcing my name from his, his platform that he has in, in his rallies. And uh, I feel very blessed and I'm, I'm honored that the person even knows who I am. Um, but I hope that that encourages everyone else that like things are changing and moving and just take advantage of the time that we're living in. Yes. There's, a, there's huge needs right now and you can fill them. Whatever, whoever you are, whoever's listening, there's something that you have that only you can do in this crazy time right now and just step in and do it. And you'll be shocked at how far you go. So yeah. sorry, I didn't mean to like, be a cheerleader, but it's so true. No, you want to know what in, in this day and age right now, people really need to hear that. So, well, you made a point, you know, it's, it's all the people that wanted to be left alone. And if you're one of those people listening and you just wanted to be left alone, it's like, you don't have to dive in like both feet first and just go, you know, full ham on it. But like, there's little things you can do. There's all sorts of things you can do to be yeah, a benefit. Yeah, exactly. Every, every piece matters. Yeah, it sure does. Well, we're, we're definitely going to look into having you back soon. We'll, we'll, let's get a couple audit results in yeah. under our belt, and then yeah. we could have some good stuff to talk about. Miss Christina Bob, One American News Network, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much, guys. So we're, we're going to try and jump right into it today. Um, we're going to start off kind of re-wrapping last week. We, we left out because they were just getting into the senatorial part of um, the Tony Blinken hearings where, uh, you know, they were talking to him about some of the stuff that was going on in Afghanistan. Um, kind of big news and, and kind, kind of also opened up a huge door to uh, this breaking story in the last 48 hours on General Milley and what's going on with him, one of Noah's personal favorite generals. Mm. So um, some of the interesting takes from uh, the Blinken hearings came. Uh, Senator Rich... Got into it with Blinken. They got back and forth, a little tick for tack with each other. Um, got a little snippy. To which forth the trolling and eventual dunkings that we'll get into started. Uh, I do want to play this audio. It's pretty interesting. Now, now people like AJ have alluded to it. But you also have people like Sean Hannity, kind of more of the mainstream. Uh, Tucker Carlson, for sure. Basically wanting to know who controls Joe Biden. Who kind of, you know, is at the helm. Pulling the strings or pressing the buttons, more specifically. <laughs> yeah, l l let's hear or incubating the clones. Now, just remember, this is the Secretary of State being grilled by the actual members of Congress in a hearing, um, and this is where the topic got to. The top decision making. Look, we've all seen this. We saw it as as recently as yesterday. Somebody in the White House has authority to press the. Well, I'm more interested in in the top decision-making. Look, we've all seen this. We saw it as, as recently as yesterday. Somebody in the White House has authority to press the button and stop the president, cut off the president's uh, uh, speaking ability and sound. Who is that person? I think anyone who knows the president, uh, including members of this uh, committee, knows that uh, punch him. he speaks very clearly and very uh, deliberately uh, uh, for himself. Uh, uh, no one else does. Uh, well, are you, 
Are you saying that there's no one in the White House that can cut him off? Because yesterday that happened, and it's happened a number of times before that. It's been widely reported that somebody has the ability to push the button and, and cut off his sound and stop him from speaking. Who is that person? Geppetto? There is, there is no such person again. Uh, uh, the president uh, uh, speaks for himself, uh, uh, makes all of the strategic decisions, uh, uh, informed by the best advice that he can get from the, uh, the people around him. So are you unaware that this is actually happening? Because it happened yesterday at the uh, interagency fire center. Uh, it was widely reported. The media's reported on it. And it's not the first time it's happened. It's happened several times. Are you telling this? Are you telling this committee that this does not happen, that there's no one in the White House who pushes the button and, and cuts him off in mid-sentence? That's correct. <laughs> So this didn't happen yesterday, nor on the other occasions where the media showed the American people that his sentence was cut off in mid-sentence. Yeah. Are you saying that didn't happen? Senator, I'm, I really don't know what you're, uh, what you're referring to. All right. I can tell you is, uh, uh, having uh, worked with the president uh, uh, for now uh, 20 years, both here uh, on this committee uh, and uh, in, uh, over the uh, last nine months at the White uh, House, the president very much speaks for himself. Mm. <laughs> the look on well, his let's face. Let's take a different attack. <laughs> he does speak for himself, but what happens when somebody doesn't want him speaking? <laughs> you're, you're telling us you don't know anything about this, that, they, that somebody cuts him off in mid-sentence. Is that what you're trying to tell this committee? I'm because everybody here has seen it. Senator, I'm telling you, based on my own <sighs> experience uh, uh, with the president over the last 20 years, uh, <laughs> anyone who tried to stop him from saying what he wanted to say, speaking his mind, uh, would probably not be long for their, for their job. That was, that was, yeah, those are real senators in the United States and the Secretary of State. You can't tell me you haven't heard them throw the mute button on him at the end of an interview. Give well, me a break. He was like, literally, the media, yesterday, yeah, yesterday the media covered this. Like, we're not saying he's wearing a dog collar and they're shocking him into stopping to speak. But they're turning his mic off. The, their mic's being turned off. Like, come on. He's like, uh, oh, like, well, uh, uh. I'm like, sorry, I'm not allowed to answer that. He says it himself. No. I just don't know what you're talking about. Uh. <laughs> I'd like to personally thank Susan Rice for having one, nominating one of your douchebag undersecretaries for Secretary of State. I hate you even more now. That guy's got more of a punchable face than the other dude, I think. I already told you. I said it last week. Want to give him a wedgie? Take his lunch money? Put him in a locker. Atomic wedgie, like over the head. Mm. You know he's got the white, like, Fruit of the Looms on, oh, too. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> Probably irons them. 15 years old, though. Oh, gosh. Starch, starch edges. <laughs> and and if, you th if you thought that was pretty off the wall, uh, uh, Hannah, Hannah, you could probably allude to this a little bit more. I mean, you're British. You're in the U.K., Parliament gets a little bit hairy sometimes. They're walking back and forth with the book, opening and closing. They're hooing and hoeing and yelling at each other. But do they ever just sit there and talk shit about, <laughs> like, one of the heads of state like this uh, and just continuously try to embarrass him? I mean, yeah, I guess. It gets pretty hairy. Every Wednesday they do Prime Minister's Question Time. If you, I'm not sure if that's what you're referring to. Yeah. That's the most popular thing that happens um, in, the, in Parliament every week, and it does get – but it's always, like, in a very British, like – but like quite polite way. And they, were like, they have to call everyone my right honorable friend and you have to call everyone, you know, address them correctly. And then they'll, they'll kind of do it like in a, cause they're all kind of very, very posh and quite plummy and quite just irritating as AF, you know? 
and they're not like real people and they'll go no right like the boris johnson will come on and say well my white honorable friend over there i know he likes to be a bit naughty on the weekends like you know (laughs) things but they won't really like go in like that i love the senate hearings these things that happen with you guys because they like especially at ram paul we've been seeing recently they're going no answer the effing question you know it's 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 a bit different obviously you your your political system and the way they do it is like much more American, obviously, and by that I mean a little bit more entertaining. I find um, the British system a bit freaking boring and a bit weird and pompous. But yeah, it does get quite funny sometimes. Maybe I'll find some good clips and um, we can play some out next time. Nice. Some funny ones. But yeah, some of them have been pretty, pretty funny. Um, but it's very like uh, Britishly, uh, cleverly sarcastic. It's not as direct. No, you, yeah. I mean, you're telling the truth. It's definitely my favorite. I'm just seeing like Monty Python clips running in my head right now. C-SPAN 3 show. <laughs> um, she did mention Rand Paul. And believe it or not, a proverbial dunk contest started. Oof. Following those comments because, and it's going to be a 1v1, Rand Paul versus Ted Cruz. And, and who could dunk on Tony Blinken <laughs> harder in just an absolute projectile shittage. Who won? It's. You know what? We're gonna to listen to both clips, and then we could we could make a decision. We don't have the little hold up numbers like they do with the actual. So they were, they went one at a time. But can you imagine if they were just like tag teaming each other in? And, and you know, they are what they are. But but it did get to the point to where they were so confident in their dunks, they got comfortable uh, on the old Senate hearing desk before they really let it rip into him. So let's hear Senator Paul for that. Huh? Made me think of something right. I'm not going to tell it now, but can you remind me to tell you at some point? You just said dunking, right? Yes. Once upon a time, I worked at Sky. (laughs) This guy that was obsessed with all of the presenters wrote like sort of sexual fetish stories about the presenters. And we, each episode of his story, that was just a written story, one of us would get dunked in Gunge. Like, so we'll get to that another time. But you just made me think of that. And I just went, oh my gosh, I went right back there. What a creepy (laughs) sexual fantasy. (laughs) You got dunked in what? It didn't actually happen to me. This guy, he was a bit obsessed with No, 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 but with the story, you got dunked in what? Gun. Oh, do Americans never know what Gunge is? We'll no. get to it. I'll explain it after, but it's just a very weird thing, but you can maybe think of it because of dunking. This weird sexual fetish guy in England dunked us all in I mean, liquid. Stay tuned for what Gunge is, I guess. Well, also <laughs> stay, stay tuned for someone who I don't want to sexually fantasize about, Senator Rand Paul. Oh. <laughs> Let's hear what he had to say. Give them the money. Why don't we subtract the $80 billion from the $10 billion you're going to give them? Then they're minus 70 still. I mean, really, the fact that you're entertaining good behavior, that they'll get more money, I think is a big mistake and a naive notion that we're going to somehow change this Stone Age philosophy by giving them more of our money. We've sunk trillions of dollars over this. This is our chance to have a peace dividend. Let's quit sending good money after bad. The guy the Biden administration droned, was he an aid worker or an ISIS-K operative? Uh, the administration is, of course, reviewing that, uh, that strike. Uh, and I'm sure that a you know, full assessment will be, will be forthcoming. So you don't know if it was an aid worker or an ISIS-K operative? Uh, I can't speak to that, and I can't speak to that in this setting in any event. So you don't know or won't tell us? Uh, I, don't, I don't know because we're, we're reviewing it. 
Well, see, you'd think you'd kind of know before you off somebody with a predator drone, whether yeah, can, he's an aid worker you can or see what they're looking at on their telephone. See, the thing is, is this isn't just you. It's been going on for administration after administration. The Obama administration droned hundreds and hundreds of people. And the thing is, is there is blowback to that. I mean, I don't know if it's true, but I see these pictures of these beautiful children that were killed in the attack. If that's true and not propaganda, if that's true, guess what? Maybe you created hundreds or thousands of new potential terrorists from bombing the wrong people. So you got to know who you We can't sort of have an investigation after we kill people. We have an investigation before we. <laughs> so then it was on. Uh, Rand Paul kind of set the stage there and. Uh, you know, really wanted to uh, hear a little bit more of a disposition on that. And I think, uh, you know, just from listening to it, he's kind of beyond fed up with uh, some of the shit that's going on with this administration right now. Um, it's a good point he made, though, when when, when he's talking about this, is, and, and that is, is you probably want to, uh, you know, know who you're droning before you drone them. Don't drone me, bro. So, and and instead of people like all of the white nationalists in America somehow radicalizing Muslim extremists in the Middle East, it's the actual current occupying administration droning families and children, splattering them over the walls of a a water plant down in in Kabul that that probably has a lot to do with, uh, you know, some of the radicalization that's going on now. It's pretty funny. I don't know if you guys caught it. He was mentioning... The money, it's the $64 million that the Taliban wanted to ensure that some of the people who are there now are going to have safe passage. Once the transfer of that money was complete, they went and took the, uh, I don't know the exact name of it, it was like the Women's Rights or Women's Advocacy Bureau in Kabul and immediately turned it into like the Department of Beatings and Prohibition. I'm paraphrasing now, but I know the prohibition part is accurate, but it's something that like, you know, it's like the Sharia law police station now. So uh-huh. the people, so the people who go out and, you know, facilitate prohibition and distribute the beatings. So, so you call like nine one one and tell somebody like, woman's not wearing her hijab and I a saw, van pulls up and a bunch of dudes with bats get out. Could have been a shadow, might have been an ankle, but rocks. But I feel like I need to report it. Yeah. So. <laughs> Sounds like California now. Oh, not wearing a mask. Call please. Oh, yeah, that's definitely California at the moment. Um, let's get on to round two. Rand Paul, you know, 360, through the leg, reverse jam. <laughs> in steps Ted Cruz wearing, I would say, if it was a real dunk contest, I've actually seen him in what he wears because there was a Nancy Pelosi tried to do a sneaky sneaky a few weeks ago, and they were actually playing basketball in the gym at the Capitol, and Ted Cruz went with a jersey on, nut hugger shorts. So, um, what are the military ones called? Silkies. And uh, a headband. And voted that way. Nice. Not okay. Yeah. So, but he was ready, willing, and able, full Zodiac. Duncan on Blinken, let's hear it. Since the disaster began unfolding in Afghanistan, we've seen the Biden administration making political excuses. We've seen Democrats on this committee explaining at great length how everything that happened in Afghanistan is Trump's fault. It's all Trump's fault. Mr. Secretary, Joe Biden is the President of the United States. Kamala Harris is the Vice President of the United States. You are the United States Secretary of State. Hmm. Just like Jimmy Carter 
owns the disaster of the Iran hostage crisis. You own this. The Biden administration caused this disaster. It was caused by two things. Number one, ideological naivete and extremism. Repeatedly, Mr. Secretary, in this hearing and also on multiple conference calls over the last month, you keep saying things like the steps the Taliban needs to take to be welcomed into the community of civilized nations. Nope. Mr. Secretary, they don't want to be welcomed into the community of civilized nations. They are terrorists who want to murder us. This administration doesn't understand that. Joe Biden doesn't understand that. But sadly, that ideological extremism was combined with manifest incompetence. There were four decisions this administration made that I think were utterly indefensible. Number one, abandoning the Bagram airfield, yep. giving it to the Taliban. That is a decision that 100 years from now will be studied at war colleges as a colossal strategic mistake, giving up two secure airfields, necessitating an evacuation from a dense urban environment, a commercial airport, which led tragically to the suicide bombings and murders that killed 13 American servicemen and women. Had we been evacuating from Bagram with a secure perimeter, the odds are, are quite high. That attack either wouldn't have happened, or if it had happened, it would have been far less severe in its consequences. Secondly, the Biden administration giving the Taliban a list of Americans and of Afghans we wanted out. Third, hmm. the decision to leave Americans behind. Hundreds of Americans, perhaps more, perhaps thousands, thousands of green card holders, tens of thousands of Afghans who assisted the U.S. military. The Biden administration abandoned them and left them behind. And fourth, leaving billions of dollars of American military equipment that the Taliban will now use. So, who are you rating, Noah? Rand or Lion Ted? Uh, they were different. Uh, yeah. They were different kinds of attack. All right. <laughs> Both pretty good. Yeah. I don't know. I can't pick. <laughs> I think they're both equally good, like you said. They're, yeah. they're, they're, they're both went in hard, and they have different styles and different... Yeah, one of them was like, you're retarded, and the other one was <laughs> like, these are the facts that happened, and it's your fault. One said, you're retarded. The other one said, I'm going to explain how retarded you are. Exactly. <laughs> Boom. So, yeah. So that's how that kind of rounded up. Uh, pretty interestingly, in my opinion, I thought... uh you know, you couldn't really ask for a worse hearing and another L for the current occupying administration. And, uh, you know, you really started to see things kind of take shape there um, for the news that would be breaking late that day, which was Tuesday afternoon here. Um, our last guest, Gabby Fox, brought it up briefly talking about how, you know, there was some interesting information leaking online uh, regarding General Milley. Not a huge fan of the administration, past administration, specifically Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. They did not get along at all. Former Obama appointee, 2014, 
to the Joint Chiefs. And uh, his hobbies are treason. Yeah. Long walks on the beach. <laughs> and apparently speaking Mandarin. Yeah. So news began to uh, leak online and it became a flood. Um, a Bob Woodward book. He's a pathological liar. Uh, he interviews people and then paints a completely different narrative of exactly what he interviewed him on. And then because he's Bob Woodward, who's been an author and a journalist forever, um, just like the mainstream media keeps saying the same lie over and over again until people start to believe it. However, it was interesting to see that he did a, a book pretty much tell all about Millie saying how during the uh, time after November 7th, prior to January 20th, it was revealed to him that General Milley, through secure back channels, talked with his Chinese counterpart. So I guess that would be like the Joint Chief of the Marines of China, CCP. And uh, basically told him that he felt that Donald Trump had become so unstable that he felt like he might preemptively engage the United States in nuclear war. At which point he would do everything in his power, which is essentially none, to stop him. <laughs> and in addition to that, give the CCP a heads up before any kind of attack would commence. It was also revealed, interestingly so, that during these conversations with his Chinese counterpart, he was also talking back-channeledly here with none other than Skeletor's sister, Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> And uh, there's no surprise there. She had tried everything in her power to undermine Donald Trump from day one. Um, we don't need to uh, accent her highlights throughout the course of his presidency because they're all a complete embarrassment, just like she is. And, uh, yeah, this seemed to be something that is just absolutely unprecedented. Um, Fox News broke the story. Mr. Brett Baer, not a huge fan. He went to the uh, school of calling elections early. Mm. Not a fan at all. I don't think Christina Bob's fence sitting as well. Yeah, very fence sitting. Uh, I don't think Christina Bob's a huge fan of his either. Probably not. No, he has splinters in his ass. <laughs> well, let, let's hear him. Let's see if we could hear him squirm on those splinters while he talks about this, which has to be sad news for Fox News because it's actually an, uh, a win for Donald Trump to have this story unfolding. In that book, that Joint Chiefs Chairman Mark Milley made the calls four days before the presidential election, and again on January 8th, after the attacks on the Capitol on January 6th. Mm. National Security Correspondent Jennifer Griffin has details tonight. Good evening, Jennifer. Good evening, Brett. Multiple Pentagon officials tell me that some of the characterizations in the Woodward and Costa book are, quote, nonsense. There was no secret meeting over nuclear procedures or attempt to undermine the president's authority. Here's what we do know. Two days after the Capitol riot, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi revealed she called General Milley about taking the nuclear football away from President Trump to prevent, quote, an unstable president from initiating military hostilities or, ac or accessing the launch codes and ordering a nuclear strike. Pentagon officials pushed back on suggestions in the new Woodward and Costa book that General Milley put himself in the chain of command. I can report from my own conversations at the time with senior military sources 
that during that phone call, Speaker Pelosi was distraught following the events in the Capitol that day and was screaming and demanded that General Milley take the nuclear football away from the president. Those privy to the phone call told me at the time that General Milley tried to reassure her and pushed back and repeatedly said, Madam Speaker, you know I can't do that, adding that there were secure procedures in place in an effort to ensure that everyone within the chain of command was clear what lawful and unlawful orders entailed. General Milley visited the NMCC, the Pentagon's Ops Center, to review procedures. He also spoke to the Joint Chiefs in the wake of the phone call with Speaker Pelosi. Separately, I'm told that General Milley had multiple calls with his Chinese counterpart and NATO mm. allies in the wake of January 6th in order to reassure them that the U.S. government was stable and to reassure China that the U.S. did not plan a surprise attack. All of this in an effort to lower tensions with China during the tumultuous interim period between the election and the inauguration. The Washington Post account from the book Peril says Milley told his Chinese counterpart he would let him know if the U.S. planned to attack. That is not true, according to multiple sources. What Milley did say, I'm told, was that there would be no surprise strikes and that if there were a buildup of tensions, the Chinese would see that buildup. I'm told this was an effort to avoid any misunderstandings during the period between the election and the inauguration. Moments ago, we've learned that Senator Marco Rubio issued a statement calling on President Biden to fire General Milley. Brett? Well, there's that. Kind of interesting, unprecedented, to say the least. Um, so there you have one of the uh, Joint Chiefs talking with the Speaker of the House about the mental well-being of Donald Trump and maybe taking the nuclear football away from him because apparently he was going to, what was he going to do? Nuke the electoral college. I feel like that was just one of those angles that, you know, her asking for it to happen is just a publicity stunt because yep. that's not a legitimate thing that you would ever. Antoinette, what do you, what do you think? We haven't heard things like this before. And I mean, it's all bullshit. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's just all hoopla. Well, all, all the, the lies that everyone said Donald Trump had been telling for, you know, the five years, including the one going into office, seemed to be coming true. I mean, there was, there was definitely a a coup in Washington, D.C. happening during his presidency, but it wasn't him trying to overthrow his yeah. own government. It was everyone trying to overthrow his presidency from every way possible. He doesn't lie. I always remember the statement from Q. Uh, something like, uh, n name one statement that POTUS has ever made that has been proven to be false or something like that. You know, basically mm. name one who's ever said that's been proven to actually be a lie. It's true. Lie. It's 100%. You're, you're accurate there. He, I mean, he exaggerates a lot, but he doesn't go out and lie. No. no does he, um, he's always right, too. Everything like, he said comes, comes true. Exactly. Does he just tell things in a really engaging way? Yes. That's, I think, what it is. Well, yeah, he tries to get people's attention, obviously, but he doesn't he's need lying. for that. Well. Because right, he can't did lie then he could be impeached actually legit you know yeah not not for phone calls and the mower probe and all that <laughs> other bullshit yeah um let's take a little trip down memory lane so now we we know that um you know general milley did these things he talked with Spe speaker pelosi he talked with his chinese counterpart um today he released a statement regarding it saying that the uh Rumors of the phone call are true. However, he feels like he did not ever go outside of the scope of his job responsibilities. Hmm. But um, it seems like he's got a little something, something for China. 
Yeah. And the CCP. Let's hear General Milley weigh in on the Chinese from not too long ago. As, as you alluded to in the previous question, uh, China is not an enemy. Uh, and I think that's important for people to clearly understand. Uh, China is a rising power. Uh, China has been a rising power t- since uh, Deng Xiaoping in 79. Mm. And they've been clicking off at 10% growth for you know, almost 30 years, and they dropped down to about 7% last year or two. And they'll probably drop again you know, and come into the range of normalcy and 3 to 5% growth. But that's still significant economic growth. And there's been a really large historic change from a North Atlantic-based global economy to now it's proceeding to be a North Pacific-based global economy. So uh, with respect to China, um, what normally happens historically, it's not in all cases, but in most cases, where you have economic growth of that magnitude typically follows military power. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing a a significant increase in in, uh, Chinese military uh, capabilities over the last uh, 10 to 20 years. Uh, and uh, they are going to develop themselves and are developing themselves uh, into a great power. That is not to say, however, that they are an enemy. Mm. Interesting. So I guess if you're not an enemy, you must be friends. Friends. Frenemies? No. <laughs> Didn't make it sound like that. Yeah. He had a lot of he has a hard on for China. A lot of respect and, and admiration. He must really like the, uh, <laughs> the money. Well, well, I was gonna say egg rolls. <laughs> so fortune, fortune cookies with some dough inside, and it's not bread. That's disgusting. Hopefully, it's just a fortune, not a yeast infection. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, these allegations came out, and and then you know his confirmation to confirm seems even more disturbing. Um, Patriots took to the airwaves following. Um, Time for a poll. (laughs) Here we are. Steve Bannon's War Room on their (laughs) evening edition jumped right in. And even though we've already got a vote from Hannah on a previous episode... She might have changed her mind. Times change. People change. General Milley's obviously changed. (laughs) So let's ask before we jump into this next audio clip, is Steve Bannon Q? Me? No. No. Noah? Nah. Antoinette? No. Hannah? Mm -hmm. I said no already. (laughs) You're asking me twice. I heard you screaming it. Well, that's good to know. Four for four again. Um, Let's let's hear what the, the lads on War Room had to boomer sweat about this time. Because it was like, no, it's not just me making it up this time. I actually have a real, real transcript this time. R- 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 real quickly on, on Nancy Pelosi. Yeah, to, as a speaker, the, so big, as a speaker, you get there, to get Dex. into the middle of the nuclear chain of command and start asking no, questions here? What's that about? Absolutely not. There, there, no, this is, this is the President of the United States with the National Security Command that is POTUS, that's, that is SECDEF, that is civilian control period the only by the way branch executive branch the only time that you can have a nuclear strike uh without POTUS approval would be in a second strike scenario because Mm -hmm. there are standing orders for something uh something like that to take place and you wouldn't have nancy pelosi doing it (laughs) 
I'm just uh, using the bill of the Speaker of the House. She's intruding. I'm trying to take historical perspectives. How's the Speaker of the House get into the military chain of command of the executive branch? Mm. This uh, this make, makes the Al Haig, I'm in charge thing look like child's play, okay? Yep. Because that was just Good an honest call. mistake. This is a real attempt here. Again, we've had a great show. We've said a lot of fun things. But make no mistake about it as you're sitting at home. That what we are learning about, and if it, by the way, it's Woodward, right? So let's, but let's take it as true. And if it is true, to me, studied history, studied politics, studied the, our, our political system, this was an attempted coup, an attempted coup, and the outreach to China without approval from without the chain of command is treason. I, and if someone is, wants to explain to me how legally did under he? our constitution and the laws those those two things did not happen i'm willing to listen but i doubt i'll be convinced just like i won't be convinced that joe biden is the did, worst did, president in the history of this country did millie want did, to Denver, have china on his side to back his play is that what was going on here so i mean you know and they would go on to argue and induce boomer sweats yeah <laughs> um about you know everybody dying is that who he's talking to uh, that was Jack Posobiec first, and then Boris Epstein second. So, you know, I watched an interesting documentary last night on nukes. Uh, it was about an hour long, and uh, I never thought about it. You know, it's right up there with the dinosaurs one, everything being yeah. fake fake and gay. So you, you have all these clips from, from, like, the 40s and 50s of them testing nukes everywhere, right? And you see, like, the buildings flying over and the cars flipping and all the boats, the destroyers getting blown out of the water. The funny part is, well... You know, the world is ending in the midst of these nukes. The cameras that were built in the 40s. Totally fine. Survived <laughs> right in the middle of it. And I, I know. And I just stood there for a second and I pressed like 15 seconds back like four times. I'm like, okay, I'm not listening to this. Let me pay attention now. So then I start watching it and I'm just like, hey, wait a minute. There's like a camera 50 feet from a building that's getting absolutely wasted. And the camera's right there. So funny. It, it's the 50s. The cameras don't shoot for miles like they do now. It's almost a, one of these jobs. And I'm just like, okay. Well, there's a lot of evidence that's come out how they're faking gay, too. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think there's hydrogen bombs. There there could be maybe like, you know, atom bombs, Moabs. But the actual nuclear fission, huge cloud, like, then they start showing the videos of, like, the kids – uh, at the assemblies and the gyms and like their floor turns into the water and there's the whales and, and you know, it looks like you're in the ocean. I'm just like, Oh man, how long have they been doing this? <laughs> so I, I don't necessarily doubt that we have absolute military might. Like we saw Moabs in Afghanistan blow up half a mountain village a couple years ago. Um, but at the same time, yeah, the whole nukes thing, they make it such a big deal. But uh, at the end of the day, is it even really a thing? Um, I, I know for a fact they lost the nuclear briefcase like three or four times during Trump's presidency. Once he left it in a car, once Pence had it and didn't give it to him before he got on the helicopter. So, Wait, who lost it? Trump left it in a car when he went to do his commencement at the Naval College, the one where he had to shimmy down the... Oh, Jesus. Yeah, he, suppos he supposedly left the briefcase in there. So, you know, it, it's just one of those things where you kind of have to look at it from, from all-encompassing, but... Uh, it's definitely interesting to see the uh, narrative that's getting shaped now. And, and for some reason, you have to start asking yourself, is the deep state and the cabal done with this administration? Um, what you just said, if, if you're saying that happened with Trump, right? It, it, everything that happens is, is not by accident. So that just immediately makes me think that's Trump 
trying to show you and the world that it isn't real. Right. You know, that's an excellent point. He's not stupid like that. He's not careless. Nothing happens by accident. This whole entire situation that's happening has been carefully curated and, you know, and even that doesn't feel like it, it's it's been precision planned for decades. So that now you've just told me that information. I didn't know about that. That makes you think, okay, that was a con. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, it's definitely something to kind of take a, a, a deeper look at because, uh, it, it, like I was saying, is the cabal in the deep state done with this administration? You know, there's poll numbers out now that almost 35% of Americans across the board right now don't think that, uh, well, they think Joe Biden should resign. And nearly 40% of those polled think Kamala Harris is incapable of being the president. So now you're starting to run into a really hard wall there of like, who's next? Nancy Pelosi's already put a soft end date to her time in politics, which is the 2020 midterms. And, uh, you know, we're heading towards the holiday season here pretty quick. We're going to be getting into primary season, you know, in the next few months. So um, it seems like this administration right now can't catch a W for anything. Like, you know, you had this Millie stuff, which only hurts this administration because it's something that carried over to this administration, the Afghanistan debacle the economy gas prices inflation the border i mean what have they done right nothing very few things if any so is anything do you you think of anything not one thing no no noah (laughs) no nothing the infrastructure bill looks pretty good i'm sure it's gonna be fine Mm. (laughs) in addition to unmitigated migration there's also the largest tax hike in the history of our republic in there well you know who doesn't like tax hikes and unmitigated migration? I mean, well, three point five trillion, equivalent to eventually five point two trillion. Eighty million votes at our expense. Well, at the end of the day, it's like it, it seems like more and more every day. Get the vaccine. Well, that too, but hey, fat, you're gonna learn how to build solar panels. Listen here, fat. Oh. Yeah, exactly. You know who doesn't make Dr. Garrison noises and is actually a good general, everyone's favorite, General Flynn. Yes. So for some reason, in the last two weeks, something has changed. There's a big shift coming, I think, on the Patriot end. We're seeing all these L's that the administration's taking. Um, General Flynn has cycled back into the mainstream, regularly appearing on almost every Newsmax show recently, um, after basically being banned for greater part of the last year. And... uh, you know, Mr. QAnon and Oath himself now apparently is good enough to get regular play on Newsmax. So I've seen him on with a lot of people. And uh, he jumped on the other day to talk about this General Milley thing, him being a general himself. Um, probably has a little bit of experience. To get a cage match, general versus general. General Flynn would kill him. Totally. It sounds like a win. Yeah. What if you had all three Flynn brothers? Oh, my God. <laughs> Here comes General Flynn with a steel chair! Well, the one who, the, movie, isn't it? They should, they should make that. Well, the one who's in charge of the Pacific Fleet is bigger than Michael Flynn and younger. Yeah. And then the one, uh, Joseph Flynn, is beastly. Yeah, he, he seems he, like a scrapper. Yeah, like he's a, more of a beer drinking, <laughs> bar fighting. And I like it. And you would have, who would you have? Millie, uh, Austin, and his Blinken. Purple hair. And Blinken. <laughs> Yes, so Millie dressed up in full white rage. That would be his wrestling. Fishnets. Purple hair, eyeliner, (laughs) nails, and then Blinken would would dress in his 
um, Reverend from the end of the Beetlejuice movie suit that he wears. <laughs> oh, wow. And, and then Austin would have to wear his full visit to the Philippines, Darth Vader, eight masks with sunglasses and the face shield. And then the, <laughs> then you would have the Flynn brothers. <laughs> That'd be a great fight. Right. You talked last week about ending world hunger. That would end world hunger. Yeah. There's so many pay-per-views we could do that would solve all the world's problems. Yeah. You know what? You know, well, General Flynn wants to help solve the world's problems by returning the diamonds, but now he's weighing in about General Milley. Let's hear what he had to say about that. I'm sure he was pretty heated. General Michael Flynn. General, thank you for being here. First of all, thank you for your service. Thank you for our freedom. So you see this, you watch this. General General, what do you say to Mark Milley? Yeah, so first of all, uh, Eric, thanks for having me on. And to your audience, this is really an incredible uh, time for us to be looking at what is happening in this country, what is happening to our country. Uh, these, these, uh, it, this information about Mark Milley, who I know very well, mm. uh, it, it really, really is, is, is so devastating. And so let's take a step back, if, if you don't mind, from, the, from the, the calls for treason and the calls for court-martial. The very first thing, that, that statement that you just showed, Eric, that's the first time that I've seen that statement today because I've just been so damn busy. But I, I will tell you, that tells me that Milley, in fact, made these statements that uh, have been, uh, uh, you know, uh, acquitted to him in, in Woodward's book. So this is really, really an important uh, uh, thing that but what Milley needs to do. We don't need investigations. So, so General, 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 this is a very, very important point because this just broke just prior to the yeah. show. It's an important yeah. point. So we were all waiting. We heard about the accusations from the Woodward and Costa book, and we were waiting to see how Millie would respond. Would he say, no way that didn't happen? That would force Woodward and Costa to put up or shut up, maybe even have to talk about sources. But he didn't. Millie didn't. He basically admitted that he made those calls in October and January. Now, what were the calls about and what, what, what was said? is still up for speculation, which my point is, making those calls when a seated U.S. president, to, to literally telling the Chinese government, don't worry, I will subvert my own president and work with you to make sure you're okay. How is that not treason, sir? Yeah, it, well, I'll tell you what it is. It's illegal, it's immoral, and it's unethical. Mm. And Mark Milley should, should be immediately, immediately uh, told to drop his stars and and uh, he should be resigning in disgrace if not completely fired and publicly. The one institution that we cannot lose hope in and faith in, which because every other institution of government, Eric, the, the American people have lost faith in. The one institution that still remains is our uniformed military. So there you have that. Spicy. Well, what do you guys think? That's, that's a really uh, strong point from... General Flynn, I was kind of interested to see Eric Bowling cut him off there. Give me the old general, 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 general. Whoa. Yeah. General, 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 general. But he, he did kind of want to get that answer out of him. And then, you know, General Flynn gave a pretty good answer on what he thinks should happen to General Milley. Immediate dropping of the stars and then administrative consequences at the least. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, he done. He didn't, he didn't do anything. And it wasn't even an active general at the time. And this is an, an active general. What? It's just ridiculous. You know, what's interesting. I don't know if any of you guys picked it up, but they did mention it. So the stuff from the book mentions the time between November 7th and January 19th. Um, but I guess General Milley confirmed that he had made calls to China in October, which was prior to Election Day. Ooh. So, So what ulterior motives were 
you know, going yeah. on behind the scenes here in regards to maybe continuing to hijack this presidency or trying to derail something going into the election. Who knows how much influence the CCP had in directly, uh, yeah. you know, affecting the overall outcome. I think it's pretty clear that they have, and they had a lot of influence, you know? Yeah, of well, course. I can't wait to see Joe Biden. <laughs> well, the safest and most secure election was apparently being overwatched by uh, our generals who were talking to the CCP at the same time. Well, I, I don't... Yeah, exactly. I, I don't think we can get through this segment without someone who likes diamonds weighing in on this. Yeah. So General Milley is, 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 is turning into a punching bag now. And uh, Donald Trump jumped on the uh, Sean Hannity Boomer Sweats version nice. of Newsmax, Sean Spicer's show, which is awful. I like Sean Spicer, but his show is awful. I mean, I he, he was freaking funny as hell. He, he was, was he was a great press sec, but but the Sean he does he embodies Sean Hannity on his show and just tries to doom everybody into like these narratives, and then he kind of tries to make it light because he is a light guy. But Donald Trump jumped on there to talk about you know these allegations and what he thinks should happen. And of course he took it to the most extreme level possible, which I definitely like. Well, if it is actually true, which is hard to believe uh, that he would have called uh, China and d done these <laughs> things and uh, was willing to advise them of an attack or in advance of an attack, that's treason. There we go. And I would think I've had so many calls today saying that's treason. Number one. Number two, it's totally ridiculous. I never thought of it. You were there. You were you knew what was happening in the White House. You have plenty of friends. You never heard the word China mentioned in a thing like this. You heard a lot of anger about China on trade and we made a great trade deal. You heard a lot of anger on China with the China virus, but uh, for them, for him to say, for him to say that I would even think about attacking China, I think he's trying to just get out of his incompetent withdrawal out of Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. The Good worst, point. the dumbest thing that anybody's seen, probably the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to our country, where they, they killed our soldiers. They, we left with embarrassment on our face. We left Americans behind, and we left $85 billion worth of the best equipment in the world that I bought because I was the one that rebuilt our military, and then Biden gave it away. For him to say that I was going to attack China is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard, and everybody knows it. And I have to tell you, I don't know if they have him on tape saying this, but I found Woodward and I found uh, his uh, cohorts to be extremely dishonorable people. That's why I didn't do an interview with him. I think he's highly overrated. This guy is one of the most overrated guys. He's a sleaze. But I did not ever think of attacking China. One other thing. I just read a report about a week ago where they said Donald Trump was the only president in decades that didn't start a war. Well, there you have that. I mean, that's good. Uh, I do like the fact that when he started that segment, he said, listen, there's two things here that are really bad. The first one is if he did it, it's treason. Secondly, it's ridiculous. <laughs> there's no substance to anything that's behind ridiculous but he did name that as one of the two things that happened i like that i bought that stuff <laughs> ride it so yeah it, it's just <laughs> one, one of those narratives right now that that's continuously developing we need to definitely get to the bottom of it and uh you know moving forward it's going to be interesting to see you you can already see the 
border crisis in the United States, um, bleeding back into the narrative as kind of a distraction away from everything to do with Afghanistan and General Milley. You have the election audit results starting to come out next Friday in Arizona. Um, you have he- big. yeah hearings in Georgia, hearings in Wisconsin, hearings in Pennsylvania, all in the next seven days. Um, guys, guys, did you see the letter today from Trump to the um, Secretary Raffensberg of in Georgia. Have you seen that? Yeah, we we actually read it to Christina Bob before you came on today. I wasn't there. Oh, <laughs> cool. Yeah, it was very nice. We we did note that there were no snide remarks in parentheses or all caps wording in there, which is usual, but it was more of a formal letter. So we'll, we'll give him a pass on that one. But, um, as we round up the Blinken hearings and the develops with general Milley and segue towards COVID, we're going to break real quick to bring in another guest joining us now. Senatorial candidate out of South Carolina, America first agenda, Mr. Tim Swain. Thank you for joining us on steak for breakfast this afternoon. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. It's our pleasure. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. Good. So let's get right into it. Um, Motivation for getting into this race. Uh, When people hear South Carolina Senate, they kind of think Tim, but a different one, Scott, Um, someone who's currently a senator, uh, has been endorsed by President Trump. Now, you have to be a real student of politics to know that in Tim Scott's outside of politics life, there's some other things that he's voiced that he wants to do. Uh, Whether or not that has anything to do with your getting in the race, what is your motivation for for jumping into this as a primary challenger for 2022? Um, Well, I mean, I've got a six-year-old and I've got a three-year-old. Okay. And uh, there's a lot of people that are looking to take away our choices and our freedoms and stuff away from us. And no one's really standing in the way. There's a very small group in Congress of people that that fight and actually push back. And and really no one from my state matches that. None of, none of the Republicans in South Carolina have any fight to them at all. They're very passive. And uh, we don't have the time to continue that anymore. We'll be in big trouble if we don't have people in Congress who will stand up to a very aggressive other side. Yeah, that's an excellent point you made. And I think... Uh seeing it over the last year and a half develop, regardless of how long you've been working on Capitol Hill, how many times you go on the major mainstream media news shows, when it comes down to the brass tacks of the stuff that's really affecting the average American's families, they've absolutely had it with an overwhelming majority of the people in Washington, D.C. And I I think that's a perfect in for you to kind of inject yourself into this race based off of you know, some of the things that you have going on in your personal life, like you said, your family and small children, uh, that's something that affects a large majority of Americans, probably in, a lot of people in South Carolina as well. Um, how has it been so far uh, getting out there and kind of uh, getting to meet all the people in South Carolina and hearing some of the concerns that they have in regards to, you know, how they're represented at the D.C. level? It's um, It's a nice process, man. There's a really huge amount of good people in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. We, they're very friendly and, and they have that reputation for a reason. Everybody wants to talk and everybody's upset about kind of the same things. Um, I, I feel like most of the people in our state are still talking about the election from last November. And, and that helps me 
um, because none of the people really stood up for what we think was a lot of fraud that we're going to, you know, next Friday is the Arizona audit results. I, I think a lot of people are going to be vindicated then and be able to say, okay, well, I was one. We told you about that one. Now let's start talking about the rest of them. Yeah, that's something I'm trying to capitalize on a little bit. That's a great point you make. You know, before you came on with us today, we had Miss Christina Bob from One American News who's been on the front lines working those audits uh, for the last, you know, three quarters of a year. And uh, that is definitely one of the things that people who want to see an America first agenda carried out want investigated. You know, number one, election integrity. Number two was the rightful winner of the 2020 presidential election named or not. And how are we going to get to the bottom of that? So that's a, that's a pretty good uh, platform you have there. What are some of your other, what you would consider America first agenda um, philosophies you're taking into your campaign? Well, I'm, I'm pushing pretty hard for an immigration moratorium. We're being flooded right now from all directions from people and, and we're not vetting them. We have no idea who they are. Mm-hmm. The only thing we know is they're here to help the other side vote against us. That's what we know that they're here for. They're letting hundreds of thousands of people come from the South, from the border, you know, every month. And, and the, the point is they're bringing them because they have in their head, they'll vote for them. They're replacing, they're bringing an electorate for themselves. So uh, stopping immigration and immigration moratorium is a big part. Uh, and just bringing some accountability to Washington. A lot of the guys, you know, they, they don't work for us. They work for donors, they work for special interest groups. And, and that's a big problem. Somehow we need to take a lot of the money out of it and then it'll become a more honest system. There's too much incentive right now for these people to cheat. Yeah, that's an excellent point. We had Bobby Python on not too long ago and that was one of the big things he was harping on term limits and the amount of money that right. some of these people, you know, they go in it with, with an above modest salary, you know, anywhere between the low one thirties up to close to $200,000 over the course of their senatorial or, House representative careers, and then wind up walking away 20 years later, multimillionaires. Uh, where does that come from? Mm-hmm. Probably not just uh, the insider trades that Nancy Pelosi makes on a regular basis, but from lobby groups and and special interest groups and voter integrity groups and things like that. It's filthy. Right. Book deals. Yeah, it's absolutely. Deal. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think, well, you've named two of the big ones, election integrity, uh, the border and, and the immigration moratorium, which is huge. Something that segues right into that. The infrastructure bill. I think anyone who doesn't staunchly come out against this, every senator, every House representative that's a conservative, anyone that even thinks about putting their name on this and giving this administration a W at a point when they've done nothing but, you know, tear down the last four years worth of progress since day one, um, should be immediately primaried and gotten out of there. I don't understand why they would even kind of want to feed into this narrative, whether it helps their constituents or not, to be able to give the administration something positively and bipartisanly to work towards because of how much of a dumpster fire it's been in all other assets of uh, or facets of the, you know, first nine months in, in, in Washington, D.C. Um, inside of that infrastructure bill that we found over the last couple of days, it's, it's been making the news in probably the last 48 hours is the $800 billion that is put aside for pretty much unmitigated immigration, uh, unlimited green cards for everyone that's coming in and their families, path to citizenships for everybody. Right. 
And, uh, you know, that's just some things that you're not really hearing about in the news too much right now because... It's like that Oprah clip. You get a green card and you get a green card and you get a green card. <laughs> no, that's... We're done. If they give green cards to 10 million people, we don't get to vote again. And that's, yeah. that's the thing, Donald... Donald... I, can't fly in I can't fly in from the UK to the US. <laughs> I'm not allowed. Yeah, no, that's an excellent point. But we're, we're having people come in unscreened, unvetted, untested... And they're just being handed green cards. And Donald Trump was on one of the shows yesterday, and, and he specifically said there's a lot of things that the administration came in, they immediately took down that are fixable. They're repairable over time, whether it be getting in and out of treaties, pipelines, the border wall. Those are all things that are fixable. He said they passed this infrastructure bill with all of this immigration reform embedded into there. That is something that, the president cannot undo. You can't just take permanent residentship and path to citizenship away from people. Like it's one of the things that like once they're in and they get it, they got it. So right. Yeah. No mulligans. Would you, would you be 100% against this infrastructure bill? Uh, I am. I am against amnesty right now. And, and these, and I don't know why we're still doing birthright citizenship. Right. If we had a responsible Republican president right now, he'd be signing an executive order to end birthright citizenship today for people that are coming just for the sake of having a baby real fast and making the whole family, you know, I don't want to say our problem, but our problem, you know what I mean? And, and it's, it's a shame. I'll take it one step farther than what you're saying as far as being against the, the, the infrastructure bill. Um, like in my state, I have a senator who's for it, who's pushing it, who's voting for it and everything else. And then I have one who's quiet. If, if you're not aggressively fighting the ones that are pushing for it, you're part of the problem. Sure. Right? Why aren't you calling out the guys on our team that are for this and, and putting them on the spot, hoping that we can change some minds and stuff? I don't think it's enough. You got to be aggressive. Even if they're in your own party, you can't give them a pass if they're doing the wrong thing. Yeah, no, that's 100% uh, accurate and, uh, you know, definitely one of the things that uh, we'd like to see more of the people in, in Washington, D.C. right now working towards is, is just absolutely dead on arrival. You know, it's a shame when, when all of the news about someone saying no is surrounding, like, people like Joe Manchin, who, you know, is as moderate as they come and, and really kind of at the end of the day works for his constituency because it's, it's a pretty diverse group in his state. Um, but he knows how irresponsible... Uh, just to sit on the sidelines, like you just mentioned, um, you know, something like this could be. Uh, let's get, get give us a little forecast. Now we're getting ready to get into primary season here. Um, how do you think this is going to be? Uh, you know, you're up against someone that's been in Washington D.C. for a while. Uh, I'm not going to say I'm a fan of his. I, I do think, other than a few decent political stunts over the years, he's kind of been a sideline watcher as, as far as senators go. Um, and, and, you know, it's one of those things where you'd like to see him do a little bit more and not talk about maybe getting out of politics so he could start, you know, a, a church or, or, or whatever else he wants to do in his other time. You know, if you're there and you're elected in, you kind of have to go all in while you're there. So, um, you know, it's going to be great to see a fresh face out there. What did you, what did you, uh, how do you think this, this primary season is going to go versus Tim Scott? It, it's going to be a luck thing. You know, it's going to be. Will will something great or wonder? It's it's a big odds. He's got fifteen million dollars in the bank now. Yeah. He can pick up the phone and call any of his big tech friends, and and they'll dump whatever kind of money on him that he wants to. And I don't have those luxuries, so um, 
I, I have the time. I'm going to put the work in. I'm totally fine, you know, meeting people and I'm loving doing that. But it, it's the odds are stacked heavily, heavily against me still currently. So I'm, I'm a realist. I get that. Um, but you have to start somewhere. You know, you have to start somewhere. And, and if I run a good race and people across South Carolina get to know me and they and they understand, you know, this is this is what this guy stands for, and he really has great intentions and things like that. Well, well, twenty twenty six is not very far off, and Lindsey Graham is up in twenty twenty six. Yeah. So that's a thought. You know, I, I'm not going to be totally devastated end of the world if the primary doesn't go go my way. I'll be upset, of course. I want to win, um, but it is a it's a very big task. Yeah. No, but it, go ahead. Sorry, I just- Jump in. I just, I just love everything you've said because I've, I've been reading your website while you've been speaking as well, and you just Thank speak you. to I think, to my soul, and I think anyone that's listening to this as well, like the days of the, what you, how you were saying, like you know the, the the politicians that are not working for the people are done. People have had enough. Like these these people that are not like you, they're making their overlords known, and people are seeing it. And and you're right, you're maybe right. prevail now, but if if not, you you're right. You're you're setting a foundation. I think you're great. Thank you. You, you. you you bring up a great point. You you really need to look towards what these people's motivations are. Yes. If if they're if they're an incumbent senator and they've got no kids and they've got no family and they've got no vested really interest in anything, why are they doing it? Right. Who are they trying to look out for? Who are they really trying to protect? No one themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you take a guy that has kids that's saying, Holy cow, I am terrified at the thought of what's going on in the world right now and and take that five years from now when my oldest son is 10 or 11 and it's going to be worse it's just until someone gets in there and really puts the brakes on some stuff we're just going to keep moving left we're just going to keep moving farther and farther towards crazy it's crazy some of the stuff they want yeah definitely um i wholeheartedly agree with you on that and it's it's people like you that are actually doing something about it, jumping into the arena, making your voice heard because you are the voice of the people at the ground level, all of their concerns and, and, and convictions. And, and at the end of the day, maybe just even getting some of these people that are already there more motivated to actually do some work instead of just lying their pockets, I, I think is something that, uh, you know, you're definitely doing an awesome job of getting out there and, and bringing awareness to a lot of the uh, issues that are affecting the everyday family. Um, before we Before we cut with you, we do want to send – our traffic your way. Hannah mentioned your website, um, your website, social media, anything you want to offer our audience, we will live link it in our show description and I will send it to you. Um, so we can get people seeing what you're all about, what you stand for and then helping out your campaign in any way our show can. Sure. Our, our website is swainforsenate.com. Uh, and you'll, you'll link the spelling and stuff. And then all of social media is just that Swain for Senate, Twitter, um, and all the other stuff. Twitter, probably we do a little bit more on just because we have a way bigger base there right now than the other ones. It's a little a little easier to stay motivated on Twitter where we're talking to 40-something thousand people than on platforms where we only have a couple hundred still. But, oh, I think, uh, yeah. you, you know, you, your Twitter is extremely uh, pretty good content. You, you definitely lay into some people on there. I enjoy seeing it. Um, someone out, you know, calling these guys out and, and – uh, it's my favorite thing to do. Yeah. It, we, we keep we keep asking, where are we going to find the unapologetic Republicans that just won't put a don't care? Hi, I'm right here. There's a lot of us. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to apologize for anything I ever put. If I put it out there, it's because I feel that way. And, and I'm not going to apologize for 
hurting somebody's feelings or if they disagree with it, that's fine. Well, we can talk about it, but I don't, I don't apologize for my views. Love that. Sorry if my facts hurt your feelings. No. <laughs> it, it is what it is, right? Right. I like it. Mr. Tim Swain, best of luck to you continuing in, into primary season. We hope to bring you back. Take care Thank and you. thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Let's do it again soon. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, that was really good hearing from congressional candidate Swain. Let's uh, segue now to COVID roundup. Not too many developments going on in the last couple of days because of all the other stuff that's happening in the world. But we did have uh, kind of something interesting that we saw as the war between Joe Biden and Ron DeSantis continues to go on. I love it. Yeah, but I don't love what, what the administration did yesterday. So they have that mononucleic therapy. Monoclonal, I think. Monoclonal therapy. And uh, I guess it's helping a lot of people. Florida was one of the states getting the largest amounts of it when it's distributed from the federal government. And for some reason, no real reason given except wider distribution base. The administration yesterday decided to cut by 50%. Yeah, I think something. The amount that was going to be given to Florida, Texas, Louisiana, Alabama, basically any state that has a conservative or Republican governor or overtly supports President Trump or tries to run their state like Ron DeSantis. At your health, if if you're a Democrat only. Yeah. So the amount that they were giving to Florida was enough to meet their need right now. And now that distribution is being reduced by 50%. Um, Emerald Robinson actually got a question in and segue to a second one yesterday during the white house presser, at which point Jen Psaki got a little snipey with her. She doesn't do that ever. No, especially with Emerald Robinson, whose gut she fucking hates. Um, the only questions she usually gets to ask are ones when Jen Psaki's walking away from the podium. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so she let her she she let her say it yesterday, and this is the result that we got. Of vaccines after a certain number of months. Efficacy of vaccines. I do have another question about the the president's COVID mm-hmm. plan. He promised on September 9th that he was going to send 50% more supply of monoclonal antibodies to states. Yet, the Biden administration is cutting supplies in red states by 50%. So, for example, uh, you know, in Florida, they were expecting to get 70,000 doses this week, which they say they need. They're only getting 30,000 doses. And this is not just for unvaccinated people. In South Florida, half the people who are seeking this treatment are fully vaccinated. So... Why is the Biden administration cutting these supplies? That's not accurate. So let me give you the accurate information. Uh, First of all, we are increasing our distribution this month by 50%. In early August, we were distributing an average of 100,000 doses per week. Now we're shipping an average of 150,000 doses per week. Over the last month, though, uh, and one thing that I think people need to understand for clarity, facts, I know, I know you're like facts, um, is that monoclonal antibodies are life-saving therapies that are used after infection to prevent more severe outcomes. So clearly the way to protect people and save more lives is to get them vaccinated so that they don't get uh, the COVID to begin with. 
But over the last month, yes. given the rise in cases due to the Delta variant and the oh. lower number of vaccination rates the in Delta some variant. of these states, oh. like Florida, like Texas, just seven states are making up 70 percent of the orders. Our supply is not unlimited, and we believe it should be equitable across uh, states across the country. Do you there have been no reports of a, a, a lack of supply? So why cut them to those states only if there's no reports? I think of a... our role as the as the government overseeing the entire country is to be equitable in how we distribute. We're not going to give a greater percentage She's to awful. Florida over Oklahoma, nor do I think are you suggesting that. I think we have to move on. Go ahead, Yamish. Thanks so much. So there you go. I mean, she gave a complete, long-winded, stat-filled non-answer. Um, you know, and it's just one of those things where uh, I, I just don't understand what evidence or basis they would have to do that other than spite, which is something this administration is pretty good at. Um, Hannah, do you, are, are you familiar with on whether or not they have these kind of treatments available in the UK right now? Yes, yeah, so in, in the UK, it's, it's such a strange situation. Like, I think maybe I do have my head a little bit more in the American situation, the global situation. Obviously, I do pay attention here. There's not much pressure with the vaccines, if I'm honest. I, I don't feel a pressure here to get it. Um, and I, there's not much in the way of any news about any alternative treatments or anything. Like over here, like you'll see we, no doctors really here. They, you don't get hydroxychloroquine um, or right. ivermectin um, like you guys can, as far as I'm aware. But obviously, hydroxychloroquine exists. Um, people take it for whatever it was, you know, usually prescribed for before. Um, but it's not a big thing, and obviously that's not what you're talking about. But no, the 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 the, the what was it the convalescent plasma treatment? Mm-hmm. Don't don't really hear about that. I've never heard about this monoclonal antibody treatment either in the UK. So it's just not really spoken about. It's just kind of like <laughs> wear a mask, stay um, two meters apart if you can, wash your hands while you're saying happy birthday, and just be British. And well, I heard it. they're just, even suggesting the vitamin D three and zinc and stuff now too, which. Yeah. Now, Ama- on- amazingly enough, people have been saying that for 18 months. Yeah, now appearing on the FDA website. Yeah. <laughs> well, you really can't have the Biden administration do something to the state of Florida without having Big Dick Ron clap back. <laughs> kind of, kind of took a modest approach, but still wanted to let the administration know of his severe disappointment with basements <laughs> and friends. Um, let's hear what he had to say in, in response to uh, the administration cutting those essential treatments for um, Florida residents, especially the elderly. Uh, with the Biden administration and the HHS's recent abrupt, sudden announcement that they are going to dramatically cut the number of monoclonal antibodies uh, that are going to be sent to the state of Florida. Just last week, on September 9th, President Joe Biden said that his administration would be increasing shipments of monoclonal antibodies in September by 50%. Tonight, I'm announcing we will increase the average pace of shipment across the country of free monoclonal antibody treatments by another 50%. And yet, on September 13th, HHS announced that it was seizing control of the monoclonal antibody supply and that it, on September 14th, the announcement was more than 50% of the monoclonal antibodies uh, that had been used in Florida uh, were going to be reduced. So this is a dramatic reduction. And I'd say it's doubly problematic because 
what, what Shane Strom and folks in Tampa General and these other hospital systems that have been doing this, they're not getting it from the state. Uh, they, they get it. It's drawn down from it had been a Marisource Virgin, so they get that. Uh, and then when they need more, they request more, they do it. What the HHS and the Biden administration is now doing is they're saying that all of the reduced amount will go to the state, and we're responsible not only for sourcing our sites, which we're happy to do, but any infusion center, any provider, any hospital will have to come through the state. And to just spring this on us starting next week, we're going to have to do that. There's going to be a huge disruption, and patients are going to suffer as a result of this. And so we're going to work like hell uh, to make sure that we can overcome the obstacles uh, that HHS and the Biden administration are putting uh, in, in us. They say they're, they're cutting it because of equity. Well, look. The South has had higher prevalence uh, this summer. That will shift, and then as more states and other parts of regions need it, we understand that. But part of the reason we've used a lot is because I have made it a priority in the state of Florida. It had not been a priority at the federal government level for months and months and months. True story. It seemed like as soon as he kind of put his name on it. Yeah. You know, the administration wanted to take it away. Well, no, no, what do you think? I mean, it just, it, it's pretty sad right now that the, the absolute state of those two spat. Well, it's just ridiculous that you're going to compromise people's, you know, successful battling of COVID or preventative maintenance on being old. Being old. Yeah. I mean, Florida is a retirement state for mm-hmm. a lot of people. Yeah. And yeah. just because. A politician wants to do something and he's not on your team and he's the antithesis of everything you are. Like you're really just going to make the the people suffer just because you don't like this guy. Everything he does, you have to undo. Just like just with Trump is like everything he does, I'm going to cancel. How's that work out for him? Not well. No, not well at all. I'm sick of this. Are you not? This is this is one thing I do always say when the world changes, which I hope it, which I hope it does. Obviously, we all we all know we we will eventually. This partisan just shit has got to stop. I've had, mm-hmm. I'm sick of it. Like just the arguing for arguing sake and the disagreeing because it's the other sorry, sorry disagreeing for the other side. Um, you know, just because they're the other side. Just yeah. no, care yeah. for people. Have a platform that you represent the people that are in your state and in your area, and just be a good freaking human. Like I'm sick of it. It's just constant arguing, arguing, arguing. It's just so bad in the UK. All they do is argue with each other. Because they're on the other side, and yeah. opposing parties. Why is there opposing parties? Just have one. Just have a party that represents the people. The end. Yeah, this this comes on the heel, uh, like Antoinette just mentioned, that the board of directors at Pfizer have shot down the idea of a booster shot right now. Good. Yeah, they say it's uh, not applicable and stupid. Yeah, it's just why, why put something into you that's not effective at a point where the actual thing that they put into you already is already not, not working, effective. not effective. You are part of the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get on to some more serious business. Oh, good. Spears Team 6. Yes. We've talked about it on the show. We know some of its current members. New ones coming out of the woodwork, not Bob Woodward. And if you're not familiar, we're referencing Britney Spears. Britney Spears, Rose McGowan, mm-hmm. Paris Hilton. Yep. Enter Nicki Minaj. She's going off on uh, Instagram right yeah. now too. Yeah, she, she sure is. So, I love listen. I said some stuff. That- 
yeah. about all this stuff. It was like the blondes are taking scalps. I mean, Nicki Minaj, she's had a blonde wig sometimes, right? She can be yeah, She sure that. does. Like, yeah, we are. We are. We're taking scalps. And it was about Paris and Britney. I loved it. If you told me last year that we would be where we're at today <laughs> and, and that I'm literally making Nicki Minaj, Groiper, and Pepe memes. Damn, boy! <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> Tucky and Laura Logan decided to break down the analysis of uh, this interesting play on uh, the vaccine, mm. pretty ironically. So, fact check me if I'm wrong. Nicki Minaj made a big stink. Well, fact check you if you're right, too. True. About the Met Gala and that she wouldn't be attending because of their vaccine requirement. Am I correct? And then, you know, went into on her social media, which I was looking the other day. You're talking 157 million followers on Instagram combined with almost 23 million followers on Twitter. So close to a 200 million follower base. Shit. <laughs> yeah, they fucked with the wrong Hollywood personality uh, in the industry. So she put out like a little, just a tweet that talked about her so cousin, her cousin's friends' ball, <laughs> which she later deemed Ballgate and used as a <laughs> hashtag at the end of her tweets. <laughs> Ballgate. But no. Boris Johnson from the UK, Dr. Fauci. Both went, took to social media and to the press last week to shit on her and tell her how irresponsible she was for her reach. They know they had poked the wrong bear. Oh, yeah. The wrong balls. They had poked the wrong <laughs> <laughs> So even a call from the White House where she was invited to, to no. meet. Yeah, she was invited to meet Basements and Fauci, but she said. No, thanks. I don't feel like traveling. Let's do it on Instagram Live. Wow. <laughs> to which they said, how about our people get together and see what we can do um, and what platform to use to what she said. How about now? <laughs> how about now? Can you yeah. imagine, like, she's like looking at her now. She's like, nah, I don't think I'm going to go to the White House. <laughs> <laughs> so, can you imagine, like, an Instagram live and then, like, Joe Biden locks himself in the bathroom, like, away from his handlers and just has, like, free reign to just go buck wild on his phone. Fauci pounded on oh the door. Yeah. Oh, you got the, the COVID. Mm. All right. Any impersonation that we could do is not going to be as good as the next audio clips Ugh. that we're going to play. Let's have Tucky leading into this with Laura Logan. Super points about what we're allowed to do in the United States. And we're allowed to decide what medicine we take, are we not? We're allowed to ask questions about the effects of that medicine, are we not? Why are the rest of us relinquishing those rights without a fight? Well, it's called surrender, Taka. What's happened to this country is that people have surrendered to this because they feel powerless. And if you look throughout history, there are Marxist takeovers and Marxist doctrine and even the Nazis, right? They know this playbook. If you take over all these institutions and people have the impression that, you know, nobody uh, agrees and nobody's willing to stand up, then they submit even further. And That's the right. only form of victory that can't be won, right, that it can't be taken from you is the one that you give, which is surrender. And, you know, if you accept defeat and you lose the will to fight, 
then they don't even have to fight that battle. And that's where we are now. They've made the price of standing up to them so high that uh, nobody's willing to do it. Except now people are seeing, wait a minute, it's too many subjects, whether it's the southern right. border or it's the exactly. vaccine, right? Or it's um, the way they handled COVID or, you know, four million other things, Afghanistan. People on the left and on the right recognize these tactics. They're not new anymore. We know all about this now. And people are saying it's not going to work on me. You know, I just spoke to James O'Keefe at Project Veritas, and he was telling me that they're getting thousands of emails, whether it's Marines who have, you know, on active duty, who have been forced to take the vaccine or being. Okay. And they're going to kind of virtue single into the, the narrative of, you know, what exactly it was. I think we want to hear the actual, you know, good parts of that. And that's some of the comments that Nicki Minaj made on her Instagram lives. She was suspended from Twitter for ball gate tweets. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it said that she's never going to use, and I'm quoting now that fucking platform ever again. But, uh, you know, she, they did have some of her audio circulate online. And, uh, you know, it's pretty interesting to hear, Someone who's on completely the other side, and if not on the other side, regardless of what her political affiliations are, someone who's completely outside of the arena. It's not like audio that we usually play on this show. Sometimes we'll have raw audio from people who are, like, not into politics or, or someone that's kind of, like, really raw. But, I mean, this is so far out in orbit that you can't even consider the fact that... uh You know, it's, it's just one of those things where you, you wouldn't even... Like I said, if I thought I'd be making Nicki Minaj memes relevant to what's going on in the political spectrum nine months ago, I would tell you, you need your fucking head examined. <laughs> Noah? Yeah, I mean, you got to say, you got to say that it's good that it's a person of high visibility like her. Are you talking about 300 million followers? Well, visibility? yeah, but I mean, it's going to, it opens up the eyes of an entire other demographic of people that may or may not have been caring before. But now since this is somebody that is in their quote unquote circle of people that they care about, it's like, well, maybe I should pay attention to this. And it's just going to spread from there. You know, they did have a not my balls rally outside of the CDC the day after this first happened. It was a small group of about 30 or 40 people with megaphones and signs, but they were chanting not my balls. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Referring back to the swollen balls of the friend of a cousin, because it's always a cousin's friend. <laughs> I'm sure you all seen this, this meme that real Brenda memes made with the, just, just basically just like a just a guy with massive nuts. Yeah, <laughs> you Nicky with his friend and you trusted the science, and then he's like, look at the camera, he's like, my eyes are up here because obviously I was just looking at his massive balls. <laughs> it's a meme of Randy Marsh when he put his oh, balls, with the balls in the, in the wheelbarrow. Yeah, yeah. So all right, like I said, we're talking about Ballgate, but let's hear <laughs> Nicky Minaj talk about Ballgate. <sighs> on you not agreeing but people will isolate you if you simply speak and ask a question y'all don't see what the is happening and i'm seeing black women on twitter black women i follow Acting like this is funny? <laughs> no, I ain't gonna lie. I had a lot of fun yesterday and a lot of laughs. 
But black women, are y'all forgetting there was a time it's an not IG too life. long ago where you couldn't even make eye contact with people? And you're okay with 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 what's happening? We're no longer even allowed just allowed to voice our opinions or to ask questions. Now here's the here's the here's what's in, interesting. What's interesting is so many of your favorite artists feel this way, but they're afraid to speak up. And I can't blame them. Look at what they just did. I will never use Twitter again. So that was in response to her Twitter suspension. And uh, again, in my ears, you know, I, we all have heard her songs. But to hear her talk like a real person, you do kind of hear some convictions there. Like, this isn't somebody shitposting her back. This is, seems like, really long-standing convictions that she's had and hasn't felt compelled enough, maybe at the risk of, who knows, fame, money, um, social, getting kicked out of social circles. But this, feel, like, this feels like something that has been on her for a while. It doesn't just seem like it's off the cuff, like, oh, they made fun of me because I said my cousin's friend's balls got big from taking the COVID shot. This sounds, yeah. I mean, she, she gets into, like, you know, starting to touch on racism and, and, you know, social segregations and stuff like that. And that's and the control of the entertainment industry and how people won't speak out because they're not allowed. So I think that's great. Yeah. It, it was really interesting to kind of start to get that insight. Um, you know, I, I do have one more of her, the audio is better and it talks about kind of like Hannah just mentioned, it's a perfect segue, the industry and, and some of the stuff that goes on there. Hear this do this with sweetheart okay see the minute you guys started doing going this hard is when this seemed strange to me hmm. like and i'm not talking about the representative that that uh joe and sal spoke to today i'm talking about just the democratic party in general and Oof. so many people they didn't want to hear jumping that. at the chance to okay well hmm we can't um, make fun of the actual story anymore and, and talk about testicles and balls till they drop dead balls. And, make, and make that a joke. So now we have to uh, attack her personally. I want you guys to see what is happening. Yes. And they, and they had to make sure it came from a black person mm. first. Because if it came from a white person, the black people would be like, oh, you're racist in this. So let's peep this. The first attack was from a black woman. Now, this thing to assassinate my character is from a Uncle Tamiana, black, quote unquote, black man. When 80% of the artists that y'all following right now feel like I feel about the vaccine. They didn't want to hear that either. And are too afraid to speak on it. And guess what they're doing right now? If they assassinate me and assassinate my character and make me look crazy or stupid, guess what? No one else will ever ask questions again. Don't you see what's happening? And y'all sitting around fucking laughing? Mm. You think I would fucking come out my wake up and say I'm gonna I'm make up a lie about being invited to the White House? What the fuck I look like? <laughs> That's an excellent question. Nice. Well, 
And, and here's Maybe the thing. Based yeah, there was a couple things in there and that she's got some balls to come out with that. Yeah, well, she, she was talking about. I believe she called it a a black uncle Tamiana. I've never heard Tamiana. I'm kind of new. To, I'm kind of new to the hip hop industry. I mean, you know, I, I grew up in classic hip hop. I liked Biggie, and I grew up in the tri state area. Kind of was out of it before, you know, she jumped on the scene. But she was referring to Joy Reid, who went on. You know, I had the clips. I don't want to play them because I think they're disgusting. And she basically talked about her being black, lying about the vaccine. And the only concern that she has was the amount of followers that follow her. And that was literally the context. She's like, you know, as a black woman in the industry like yourself, and for as many people you influence, there's no way you should be saying things like this. How dare you? And I'm just like, wow. Michael P. Beck as well. She did that in, her, in one of the press uh, conferences recently. She said, you know, we like people to be responsible. They've got a lot of following. And a lot of shut up, Jen. Well, she was talking shit about the vaccine when Trump was in office. And yeah. then now all of a sudden. Well, everybody you know, was. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's like stupid. The world is crazy. The world is upside down. Everyone's a freaking clown show. It's just, but it's funny. But we, can, we know what's going on. Can you guys it's agree great. with my last point at least that it sounds like this isn't something that uh, just was instigated by somebody shit posting her back online? This sounds like yeah, she's it's definitely. Not yeah. She, she's in this team six. Don't, yeah. Absolutely. It seems coordinated. I think that. I don't know. Yeah. It's not some random thing that she decided to talk Why? about. I need to see them all together. Brittany, Rose, Nikki, Kesha, and Paris. Like, uh, <laughs> I, funny. yeah, they they need to get together soon. We just need to I'll know. Be at the party, maybe when Trump, you know, when all this comes out, and I'm not even going to say it because people think it's crazy. Actually, I'm going to say it when Trump comes back <laughs> or whatever happens with that. When 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 the whisper in chief fucks off and we have a party, <laughs> they can they'll they'll headline it. I'm sure. Guantanamo Bay. Public <laughs> There's a um a, a guardian reporter that uh, tried to contact her family in Trinidad and I she's going off on her. Yeah, like, Here, here's the thing. <laughs> we, her. we have a podcast host that may be able to contact her and she still hasn't done it yet. Oh come on! And to this, she, 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 I, would, I don't even know like how to start. I mean, I could talk to some people and see. Start with this. Oh, <laughs> scissor me timbers. <laughs> you know what? All you have to do is kind of reach out and say. I understand who the fuck you are because she said it several times. Do you do who the fuck do they think I am? Who do they think I, they I think are? you're somebody who the fuck wants to come on this podcast. Yeah, that'd be great. My God, that'd be so cool. I wouldn't know. What <laughs> you- <laughs> it would be ridiculous. All right, Nikki, let's talk ball gate. Right, let's yeah, let's, let's do it. Look, let, let's make it happen. Let's pray on it. Let's make it happen. My prayers are freaking powerful these days. Let's get on it. All right, like, Nikki. I'll talk to a few people today. I'll see if um, yeah. anybody. Not lie, I've been tagging her in every meme I make. Just tell her the balls in her court. <laughs> and this time they're not swollen um so right before we got off the rails as usual somebody said guantanamo bay thank you noah yeah last segment of the day nothing can stop what's what is, coming what is durham Ooh. it's time apparently it's time after all of these years of you know what else can be funny what if john durham comes out and he like shaved his head and he has no beard because all we've been doing is making memes and using that one file picture of him from the Utah law firm that he was working out of um, or, or the Connecticut office that he was walk, working out of. And, and that's it. Like nobody, there's no file footage of him walking back and forth from the fucking car in and out of his house. Yeah. Is he a real? I mean, Donald Trump always asks if he's a real person, but apparently he's the person that appointed him. So he better know. Um, <laughs> But yeah, we actually have had movement because they are on a hard deadline 
of this yeah. coming Sunday to make indictments happen. And, uh, Actually, yeah, thing. you're never, you guys are never going to believe this. The mainstream media is taking it as part of a crazy QAnon conspiracy theory coming to fruition now. With the Durham start? Yeah, with, with the, the Durham and the pain and, uh, you know, all of that stuff. And, and no one gaslights that better than everybody's favorite Randy. Randy. Yeah. How'd you know? No, you don't have to say, huh? <laughs> so, I need to go away. <laughs> yeah, she, she was. Uh, really getting into it and i think we need to uh just hear a tad bit of what she had to say so like i said this is a this is a weird development in a story that has been weird from the beginning but according to what the new york times is reporting tonight what john durham this trump appointed right or bill barr appointed special counsel so something um what he's preparing to do is charge this cybersecurity lawyer michael sussman with having told someone at the fbi that he was not representing a client when in fact he was representing a client. He conveyed this information, the suspicious information about the Trump Organization and Alpha Bank to the FBI. Hey, this has national security concerns. Hey, this is about to be in the press. The FBI ought to look into this. Here's the data that we think is basically what the, the New York Times has that reporters are about to put out to the public. This has national security implications. Here, FBI, you should have it. And the basis for the prosecution, at least as reported by the New York Times, is that when Sussman did that, he told them, I'm handing this over, not on behalf of a client. Mm. He says that he was doing it on behalf of his cybersecurity client who had dug up this suspicious data in the first place. But the suspicion here planted by John Durham and company is that actually Sussman was secretly representing the Hillary Clinton campaign. Spoiler alert. Came out in federal court today. He was secretly representing the Hillary Clinton campaign. Oops. Yeah, and he was indicted um, on charges of lying to the FBI, in addition to a few other things, tampering with evidence, uh, I believe something to do with witness manipulation. He was released on bond of $100,000, and his passport was seized. I think Randy's mad. Big mad. He's pissed. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's one of those things where... where it kind of came out of nowhere and in the midst of all this other shit that's going, look what we talked, we talked about Blinken fucking up Afghanistan, general Milley basically committing treason. We've got the disaster that's going on with COVID. We've got shit going down at the FDA. Nicki Minaj is activated. And here we are with Durham all sandwiched between the Maricopa results coming out. Georgia and Pennsylvania have hearings on Monday. What the fuck else is going on? Going on, right? What isn't going? Yeah. What isn't going on? This, on that note, just uh, something I looked, I saw earlier. About uh, Sussman, if you stop me if you've covered this before. No, um, we haven't covered. The, drop it. The, the law firm that he um, worked for, obviously, mm -hmm. like the the Democrat, like the the the, 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 the firm that, yeah, part yeah, Perkins Coie. Obviously, you might have looked at this before. So you're going to do the Q, go touch the Q drops, and it's like fully always reference referenced in there, and then his name is also referenced in there too. I'm sure you've seen it going around today. I shared the Delta. So Initial. I just searched Koi and there's a, there's a section. Um, I mean, I can tell you. Or I think I saw his it. initials. I don't know if I saw his name, but I saw his actual initials MS yep. in brackets. There's a letter that's in, in the Q drop uh, and it, it it actually writes his name. I've shared it in my channel. Um, gosh, I'm going to try and find it quick enough. Uh, yeah, I'll find it here. Um, there's a letter, which is a, it's a letter-headed paper um, from one of the drops, Perkins Koi. 
um and it's um refusion gps da, 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 da. anyway and at, at the bottom it says um no one knew just how bad the breach was but it was clear that a lot more than a single filing cabinet worth of materials might have been taken a secret committee was immediately created including miss daisy miss vassarin schultz miss mr brown and michael sisman a former cyber crimes prosecutor at the department of justice who now works at perkins coy the washington law firm that handles the dnc political matters and that's in, in one of the jobs it's number 2332. Well, the other one that's been circling around a lot today was uh, Donald Trump's statement. Yeah. One down, nine to go. And then I guess you have like the bracketed initials and then eight additional spaces to fill in some for those folks at home were, are graciously anticipating the uh, big reveals, right, uh, of who else it's going to be. Um, there has been confirmation made that Durham's not done. And that his scope is going to need to widen and fast with a hard deadline of Sunday night at 11.59 p.m. Eastern time. Yeah, so it's going to be a kind of a rocking weekend there. Um, Fox News gave some brief analysis on it. Let's hear basically what they uh, said before we round it up with a uh, little bit of a flashback Friday. I think Noah's going to enjoy this one. <laughs> He's a well-known cybersecurity attorney here in Washington, D.C. He was just indicted a couple of hours ago by a federal grand jury, as you mentioned, for lying uh, to the FBI. And essentially what happened September 19th, 2016, almost five years ago to the day, mm. uh, Mr. Sussman met with the FBI general counsel to meet with him and allege uh, that then-candidate Donald Trump had connections to Russia, negative connections to Russia, what Mr. Sussman did not discuss disclose, according to special counsel John Durham, is that not only did he work for the DNC in 2016, he also did some work for the Hillary Clinton campaign. That is the crux of this story. He makes his first appearance before a federal judge tomorrow. This is the second indictment in the John Durham special counsel investigation. Back to you. Thanks, David. So, so you had, let's remember back now to um, the debates in 2016 before the presidential election. Trump, Hillary, they traded Barb several times because you'd be in jail is probably the most memorable one, right? Yeah, you'd be in jail. One of my favorite moments of all time. Mm -hmm. but, when, but when you want to talk about actual deltas and things coming back around, um, this is one that kind of sticks out in my memory. Um, talking about this whole narrative before technically it even happened, so... Trump mm -hmm. time traveler confirmed Ooh. again. I like time travel. Let's hear um, him talking to uh, everyone's favorite supervillain, Killery. <laughs> I am to instruct my attorney general to get a special prosecutor to look into your situation because there has never been so many lies, so much deception. There has never been anything like it. And we're going to have a special prosecutor. When I speak, I go out and speak, the people of this country are furious. In my opinion, the people that have been long-term workers at the FBI are furious. There has never been anything like this where emails and you get a subpoena, you get a subpoena, and after getting the subpoena, you delete 33,000 emails, and then you acid wash them, or bleach them, as you would say, a very expensive process. So we're going to get a special prosecutor, and we're going to look into it, because you know what? People have been, their lives have been destroyed for doing one 
fifth of what you've done. And it's a disgrace. And well, So there you have it. I mean, he was talking about the formation of a special counsel that would eventually look into the wrongdoings of the, of the Clintons before any of the events around the Russia probe, which we've all come to know Hillary Clinton founded, funded, supported, and then distanced herself from even happened. So I think that that's pretty crazy that he could see that far down the road, even though he knew he was dealing with one of the most slimiest human beings slash lizard people to ever walk the earth. Mm -hmm. This evil woman known to walk the earth, yeah. Okay, we've all learned our lessons over the years in regards to getting our hopes up. So as we're getting ready to break today, let's start with Hannah. What do you see coming out of, we'll, we'll take two things real quick. Maricopa results next week, and then the Durham probe over this weekend. Give us a forecast from your view. I, I find it really hard to do forecasts, don't you? Like, almost, almost like I don't let myself do them. Yeah, I mean, try not to pin any dates or, or, or things like that, but just, you know, we feel the narrative shifting, but we've all learned our lessons from stuff. But, I mean, right now, I mean, the entire world is literally on fire. I mean, literally. The, the, the thing that that I, I oh my dogs and stop whining. The thing that I always um, seem to the dogs whining, obviously when I start speaking. Um, the, the, the thing that you think is going to happen, I find doesn't happen. You know, it's yeah. never the most obvious thing. Yeah, you think, oh, you know, it's going to be great. This is going to happen on that date. This date, oh, not the dates, but you know what I mean. Like events that do occur, you think, yeah. oh, something's going to then, and then just nothing. You know, kind of like September eleventh was great. But nothing really happened, you know, right. other than lots of things happening that all small things that add up to a big thing. But um, so let's say, right, yes, I understand that there's a deadline coming with a, is it the five year um, statute of limitations on what, what Durham's looking into, which yes. ended up wise. wise so, I mean, well, I'll ask you guys, who, who do you have any names of people that you think that need to be involved in, in that or? or or do you not know? Do you think it's people that we're just not aware of? I mean, I've seen like the, they do like the crime family picture. Yeah. And I mean, there's all the regular players, Rice, Holder, Brennan, Comey, Obama, Clinton, obviously, Christopher Steele. Right. You have all those people. That, I mean, when you're talking about this stuff, well, they're all directly involved and they all knew about it. So yeah. it's. So it's I, I just, before I came on this, I was looking at something. I watched a clip. I made a note to say this to you. So I didn't know this. Um, so Christopher Steele. Yes. Obviously, he, he was a skilled dossier that Hillary, you know, well, they paid him to do that bullshit thing. And it, I didn't know this. He's linked to Sussman. He says um, he's so he um, was being sued for libel in the UK. Um, and it's something to do with him mentioning this Alpha Bank. And yep. um, he testified in the British proceeding in that and said that it was Sussman that gave him the info about Alpha Bank and then that he then pressed on the FBI. I thought that was quite an interesting connection. Yeah, and, and he actually admitted in that disposition that he knew the information he was getting from Sussman probably wasn't true. I mean, that's that, that's yeah. that's even what makes it worse is that not only were, yeah. was he lying to the FBI, but he was lying to the FBI based on lies that he was given to give to the FBI. Yeah. Right. To me now, you asked, as you asked what I think is going to happen. Maybe um, I don't know. What, what if um, that's all? This is all speculation, obviously, for anyone listening. What if that statement from Trump, one down, nine to go? What if we get nine more by the yeah. weekend? That would be pretty cool. Countdown. I wouldn't hate it. But, yeah. Noah looks like he's pretty pumped for it. I, 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 I could. I could dig it. <laughs> yeah. And 
the other point you asked about Maricopa, I really do hope that, because obviously all these things happen, all these big, massive, the groundbreaking things to us, and, and they are groundbreaking to the world. Oh, obviously, yeah. they just get swept under the rug by the mainstream bullshit media. Um, I really do hope that that is a fucking massive, massive boom. Like, I really do. It's got to, obviously, lots of the, the narrative and, and, and the energy has shifted. In it's, I feel like we're on a good momentum, but that does need to be a boom. That can't be swept under the rug. Like, no. that would just, also, we'll also keep going, but it would be quite demoralizing for the movement and it would just be completely fucked up. Um, so, I do hope that's going to be a massive boom that they can't hide. But, I mean, they'll try so yeah we just they, have to they, they certainly will like, get deleted off instagram and probably get accounts nude but you know it'll be fine we'll have we'll, we'll come back we've got a backup backup antoinette feelings i mean i don't like to forecast too much because anything can happen yeah. and you know but i'm honestly just looking forward to these audit results coming out yeah already and i think once that happens shit is gonna pop off hopefully or like, you know, because we've been told, you know, AZ will be the first domino. Right. So if that's that's the case, then we'll have the domino effect. You know, it's pretty funny. Christina Bob alluded to earlier in the show how much pressure has been put on these people who were not in politics like a year ago, six months ago. Wendy yeah. Rogers, Sonny Borelli, some of them, you know, have not been around that long. And the minute that audit result date of the 24th at 1 p.m. public hearing was announced. I went, obviously, to her Twitter, and I actually had to hold myself back from commenting or, or posting at her because so many yeah. people already are like, hearing is at 1 p.m., 101 p.m., Arizona's decertified, and it was thousands of comments like that. And as just a regular person, a soccer mom, I mean, I know she's she's tough, she's a vet, same thing with people like Sonny Borelli and stuff, but that's a lot of pressure. You know, oh, yeah, you know sure. the people there who feel like this election was rigged and stolen and robbed from them want the diamonds returned. It's it's, it's cliche to say, Americans, but it's people all over the world that are watching this so closely. You know, just waiting. Yeah, there's there's no wiggle room. It can't be like a kind of an audit. It can't be like, well, we thought it was two hundred and fifty thousand, but it's like sixty thousand. It has to be like Hannah said, they're, a boom, a legit one. Yeah, they're making they're making sure it's done right. You know. Mm -hmm. There's no, there's no room for any of any um uh, comeback to them. There's no chance that anyone can come back and say that it's not legit. And there's no way. Yeah, no, of course. We're making sure that it's like ironclad. One thing I was just thinking while you were speaking, Ron, and it's funny. I loved it, Antoinette. In my head, at the same time as I was thinking, Domino effect. You said it, so I like that. Um, connected with that, and it has to be a boom. And the people aren't taking this anymore. They're not having it. Um, this is the thing that always sticks in my mind and it's always in the drops um they want you to think that we're the minority but we're not yeah totally moralize you make you feel you know i'll, I'll be so completely like, like you comments on twitter that's fucking real and like we are the majority if yeah. you know the new the media tries to make everyone think that we're not so it'll be big i want you guys to kind of think about this you know as, as we're getting ready to dip here i do think a lot of people in the in the patriot movement have not elevated to civil unrest in the United States because they know there would be no way to get the election audits done. Right. There has been so much opportunity. The Patriot movement in this country has been so ostracized by the COVID narrative and the Biden administration in regards to everything. 
you know, mm-hmm. the, from the January 6th political prisoners all the way down to the destruction of the middle class family with the inflation and the taxes and the price hikes and the gas prices, all the way down to cities getting destroyed on the southern border. And now, you know, all, all this other stuff that's going on, if civil unrest would start and you would start to see things like, let's just say the George Floyd riots in regards to uh, medical freedoms or lockdowns or kids in masks and stuff like that. It would completely delegitimize any opportunity to be able to get this over the finish line. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's why I think everybody's been holding their breath, so they they need something big to happen. No, totally. You know, I mean, it's exhausting. We're getting hit at, you know, in every angle. This is the thing, though. It's going to be worth it, I think. The wait will be all worth it, and that's what I tell everybody all the time. You know, obviously, get loud, get proactive, get involved, but... You know, we're almost there. We're so close. And I could feel the shift right now. Like, you know, that that culmination, like the the climax. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And I think they know that, too. And they know it has to be a boom. So they've they got to give us something for sure. This is the thing that we just said there about the Patriot movement. And obviously, it's global, the global thing. But just thinking about America specifically now and it's just it really pisses me off and it's like you know how they they're trying to inst- get get people to is it's just tomorrow is it the 18th yeah get come to this rally come to this place like protest it no one's going yeah. no, we know better like we know <laughs> you know i i, I kind of look hilarious. at it from both sides like that trump supporters do not behave like that and then people go oh yeah the course they will not well every single one is we know we're like obviously they're always trying to set us up it's like it's oh, so ridiculous we're like just gonna well, that's not to say we don't have idiots on our team, 100%. No, that's, no that's exactly. True. There are, like, some retards on our side, too. And I do personally feel for Matt Brainerd, he has literally done everything legally the right way. It's just not the time to do something like that there. Yeah, no, I agree. You, you know, I mean, he's even gone to the United Nations, ignored. He's gone to the Justice Department, ignored. He's filed lawsuits all over the country, ignored. He's had congressmen and House representatives go to the jail, kicked out denied access can't see you know and now there's like this documentary that's getting ready to come out like the american gulag yeah of how bad it is in there and i just it's going to gaslight a lot of people that's why we, we we need a win like a little durham and a kind of maricopa is not going to cut it in the next seven days no, it's got to be not. win-win they better come in with some big booms for sure yeah true story facts not fake news you know what else isn't fake news how amazing this show was today. Action-packed. <laughs> and an amazing Friday edition. I'd like to thank our guest, second time, definitely won't be the last, Miss Hannah Kirkpatrick for coming down and spending another episode of Steak for Breakfast with us. Can you do me a favor, Hannah, and remind all of our listeners where they could find you across social media platforms? I certainly can. Things have changed a bit since last time. Get it. My original account has been unshadow banned, which is cool. So let's go um, Instagram at newearthmedia.world. Um, got like a pinky NEM logo. And then my, the one I use mostly though is at newearthmedia2.0, which is a picture of my face. But that is um, shadow banned to earth. 
uh, Telegram, New Earth Media, TikTok, New Earth Media. I'm doing, I'm doing well on that. I don't know how. I just drop, drop in <laughs> something. Don't go back for days, and it's got like 14,000 followers now, so that's kind of cool. I should use that a bit more. Uh, Telegram, yeah, Telegram, New Earth Media, TikTok, New Earth Media. Um, that's it. Just find Instagram, newearthmedia.world or newearthmedia2.0. In my bio, you'll see a link. I made my own link tree. Link. Yeah, and we'll link your link tree in the show description today. You know what else will be in the show description today? All the places, our link tree, where you could hear the Steak for Breakfast podcast. You can find us on all major podcasting platforms. Download the show on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, Podbean, and Google Podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe to the show, rate it, and write a review. Um, Download, listen, like, follow, and share. Show creds of the week, obviously, Miss Hannah Kirkpatrick, senatorial candidate Tim Swain out of South Carolina, and Miss Christina Bob, Stop the Steel Bay. Ooh. Of One America News. It was funny when she kind of said, hey, I, got, I know you guys sometimes do that little hashtag thing. She's like, stop the steal, babe. I was like, there might be a company called that. It's like, don't worry. It's yours. Um, in addition to her, some of the usuals, the Daily Breb, Dawnstar1776, Canadians 12 now. It was nine two weeks ago. 10 and 11 last week, we're up to 12. Cagbro88, Garbaggio of the Instagram accounts, of Garbaggio's, Emerald Robinson of Newsmax, and Tom Papper to the National File. Guys, don't forget to visit our sponsors. We don't get much besides headphones occasionally, but they are all American-owned and have high-quality products. Odyssey's, odyssey.com. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. Headphone needs taken care of. Stay Ready Gear holsters at stayreadygear.com. They're on Facebook and Instagram as well. Still waiting on my custom one. It's coming. You know what else is coming? Man rubs. <laughs> <laughs> Only a few weeks left until we hit the uh, fall behind. So while you have a great opportunity to go out and grill, oh. buy some man rubs, <laughs> shake it, rub it, smoke it, barbecue it, throw it in your mouth. It's delicious. <laughs> I don't know. West Coast Survival Arms. Mike's got ammo. He's got a re- newly redesigned website at westcoastsurvivalarms.com. License FFL. He'll take care of all your firearm needs. You can find him at 619-870-6992 as well. Mediocre Medic and Dump Box, they have Tactical Gear Flare that'll get you going uh, out in the community and looking mighty fine. Mediocre Medics at MediocreMedic.com. They also have a Pretty Fire IG. Dump Box. Dumpbox.us, Facebook and Instagram as well. Upcoming shows, we've got quite a few of them. Norbin Laden's coming back on Tuesday. Much anticipated. I talked to her yesterday briefly, and she is extremely excited. Um, on next Friday, which will be the 24th of September, we're going to have immigration specialist and legal expert Esther Valdez, in addition to Prince Alex Stein, host of the Conspiracy Castle. Kyle Becker of Kyle Becker News is coming on the following Tuesday. On October 1st, we're going to have Alan, host of the Great Divide podcast. And on the 5th of October, Miss Anna Kate will be coming on the show to share her feelings on all the happenings with us. Um, Friends of the Week, Kalila 3, The Duke of Memes, That Southern Dude, The Reverse Mockingbird, Truth on Draft, Miss Supra Scorpio. It's a pretty good account. They do a lot of legal analysis on stuff that's going on in the world right now. Um, Had three really good posts on the Durham stuff. Big breakdowns, legal expert. And of course, can't forget Baby Cakes 2.0. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's the end of the week. I hope everybody has a good Durham-filled weekend. Mm. But before we let you go, there's just a few things you need to uh, 
do. And one of them is like Nicki Minaj, obviously. Do your own research. She's done it. She's fired up. Just in case you didn't know who the fuck she was, you do now. <laughs> Hold the line, ride it, buy the dip. Everyone's getting the fuck in here this weekend. Ice your balls. Snatch the wigs. Let's see what happens. But most importantly, where we go one, we go all. This has been episode 64 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. We'll be back on Tuesday with Norbin Laden. I'm Roan. And on behalf of my lovely co-host, Noah. Yep. And Antoinette. Yep. And our guest of the day, Miss Hannah Kirkpatrick. Hey. Thanks for listening and take care. Could have sworn she was tweaking Wish she would shut up Because I am peeking And it won't last long Chocolate chocolate chip oh, yeah. Rocky Road